On this episode, we discuss six weeks. It's been six weeks since you met that kid. Cocked your hand to the side and said you're Dudley. I don't know the rest of the lyrics. <laughs> like those are the real lyrics. <laughs> That's what it says on my phone. The rest. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, I'm Stuart Wellington. Certified beef seven days a week. That's me, Stuart Wellington. <laughs> what does that mean, Stuart? <laughs> that I'm certified grade A uh, beef? I don't know. That like a guy came and checked my marbling. This is your new slogan? You're branding yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the right time, right? <laughs> It's, no, it's, I mean, what I, I like about it is your your beef. All, you don't take any time off. You're not like lazy God taking Sundays off from creating the universe. You're like mm-hmm. I'm beef all the time. I never seven, stop being beef. Seven days a week, twenty three I mean, hours a day. Unlike the beef be you fair, buy at the grocery store, at the beef at the grocery store, as soon as midnight hits on Sunday, it turns into a pumpkin. No, mm-hmm. thank you. I want my beef seven days mm-hmm. a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that that that's the exact opposite of what I was going to say, which is that, <laughs> to be fair, all beef is beef seven days a week. So to elevate it above God mm. just because <laughs> God took a day off after creating the universe seems a little strange. But I mean, to be honest, he did a pretty slapdash job. We, I think we can all agree Ellie, the universe has want... a lot of rough edges. Hey, my name's Elliot Kalin, but I want to introduce our, yeah, our big guest today, who I'm very excited about. Uh-huh. Our guest is a film critic and a writer. He writes reviews for The Wrap. He co-hosts a number of great movie podcasts, Linoleum Knife, A Film and a Movie, Breakfast All Day, and Maximum Phone's on, Maximum Fun's own, not Maximum Phone's on, Maximum Fun's own, Who Shot Ya? And he's the author of the classic Christmas film guide, Have Yourself a Movie Little Christmas. It's Alonzo Duralde or Duralde, I always forget. Uh, I answer to either Duralde. But which do you use? Yeah. I usually say Duralde. Duralde Technically, okay. it's Duralde, but I never want to make like white guys sound like they're saying Nicaragua. So, <laughs> yep. you know, thank Duralde you. <laughs> okay, thank you, because I was having some empanadas for lunch, uh-huh. and my oh, no, son no. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I had a croissant. <laughs> it's the same and then thing, I decided right? to have a, a big bowl of borscht. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Man, Dan, what foreign cool foods do you want to do the accents for? <laughs> uh, I'm uncomfortable with the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, so, I was having, I was uh, having some, I was having some sushi. Ay ay ay! Right? No. <laughs> what was oh, that? Man. Like a Spanish ach, thing? Ach me, ach me, It's some spaghetti and meatballs. Oh, you know wow. that's how you I do like it, right? Uh, but Alonso, okay. Alonso Duralde, and he's 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 very. I'm very excited to have him here. One, because he's great, and I'm a big fan of his podcast. Two. He's just a super great guy and a really nice guy. When I first moved to Los Angeles, he took me to get ice cream, just me and him, and it was very sweet. And it was a great way to welcome me to a new city. And three, because it's Christmas time, everybody, right? Uh-huh. So who better to talk Christmas movies and Christmas stuff than the man who literally wrote the book on Christmas movies? Yeah, although we asked, you know, we, we asked for a couple of options of holiday movies, and look, I'll take a little bit of the um, the blame on myself. Okay. They said, <laughs> "Oh, six weeks, uh, like a Dudley Moore movie from the '80s. Let's do that. That'll be dumb. Thinking that'll be like a dumb, like Christmas comedy. Not doing any research <laughs> into it. 
<laughs> and then to find that this holiday movie, this so-called holiday movie, is only a holiday movie in that the the Nutcracker Ballet figures into the plot at the very end. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, it's a tearjerker about a young girl dying of leukemia. So also, yeah, If it had been Swan Lake, it could be a summer <laughs> movie and no one would care. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, to that end, also, yes, co- content warning that this movie that we're doing is all about a child dying of a disease. So if that is something well, you're sensitive to. It is, it is barely uh, it is, window dressing, Dan. <laughs> I would yeah, say it no, is all but... about it is all about midlife romance between a woman with a very ill-considered perm and a very short that... man who is an American politician, despite obviously being English. This, I mean, that is all well and good. That is all well and good, and it may be accurate. But if you are sensitive to the idea of a child dying of a disease, mm. it does not matter yeah, the degree right. to which you're the right. film is about that. You're right. Okay. Uh, we will take that about as seriously as the oh. film. <laughs> yeah, which yes, is not that, that, not that very is something. Something to make clear that if we, we if we make fun of it, it is only because it is a maudlin uh, melodrama, and not, we, because, we are make- not because the idea of a child with a terminal disease is, is hilarious. hilarious. No, no. no. So uh, only because only in the context. So of Alonzo, uh, why did you pick this movie? Are you a huge Dudley Tyler Moore fan? That's their <laughs> that's their couple name, uh, right? Uh, they, it should be. They, they they would have been portmanteaued if anyone had seen this movie. Um, yeah, you know, there are some Christmas bombs out there, certainly, and I didn't like want to subject Cambodia, you to something right? like... Or was it Vietnam? Say what the Christmas bombing in, was it Cambodia or oh, Vietnam? Oh, God. Right? I believe it was Cambodia, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. The way, to, way to bring the room down. I'm, you mentioned uh, Christmas I, bombs. Uh, it's the most obvious <laughs> Christmas bomb. They're really yeah. dropping bombs on Christmas. Is, uh, but anyway, you were saying... Technically correct, what are, yeah. Well, yeah, I think Henry Kissinger may have also been responsible for the Nutcracker 3D, uh, where they put hip-hop lyrics on Tchaikovsky and work in Holocaust metaphors, and Nathan Lane get, uh, plays uh, Albert Einstein. And I was like, I'm not going to, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I did toss a couple out, and I just thought that six weeks is just, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a flop in so many ways, because not, not just critically and with audiences, but it's one of those movies that derailed people's careers. Like <laughs> Dudley Moore, hot off Arthur. Mary Tyler Moore, hot off Ordinary uh-huh. People. Tony Bill, the director, hot off My Bodyguard. And this collectively did for their careers what Moment by Moment did for Lily Tomlin and John Travolta. Mm. So it, it launched yeah. them to new heights, took them into the stratosphere, you're saying. <laughs> I mean, it is such a huge bomb that despite having at the time big stars uh and it being clearly you know like a a hollywood produced picture uh i had never heard of it and uh (laughs) and if you go to like imdb i believe there's like two reviews you can find from non-professional reviewers and maybe like five from professionals yeah if you if you type in six weeks into imdb they're like not found and you're like uh (laughs) i don't know what you're talking about no that one do you mean two weeks during buster keaton no 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 that's not the one alonzo i want to ask you about uh dudley moore because here's the here's the thing so i since you are dudley moore's authorized biographer you're the man (laughs) to go to I think in terms of uh, just acting, like Dudley Moore gives the best straight acting performance in this film. But like, let us let us stipulate that I did say straight acting performance as opposed to a comedy performance. I, you are about uh, ten years older than I am. Wow! So you, so you lived through more of the <laughs> Dudley Moore boom than I did. Can yes. you explain to me why he was funny? <laughs> Because I've never understood it. <laughs> there was 
was a there was this magic snapshot of time in which uh, you could make the original Arthur that was all about a total alcoholic, mm-hmm. and it was still somehow charming <laughs> and, and funny. asshole. He's an asshole. And asshole. He is also and super, super and, and, rich. And super, she's a and rich, the movie 10, where he's yes. just like a horrible ten- womanizer. Yes, and being very mean to his wife, Julie Andrews, by uh, cheating on her with, with Bo Derek. Uh, and, of course, Foul Play, where he plays like a complete sort of <laughs> He's a rapist, sex toy obsessed pervizoid, yeah. uh, which was really his launching pad in America. Mm-hmm. You know, he had he had obviously performed with Peter Cook for years and had done movies like Bamboozled. But like, but mean the, bedazzled. Hey, I want to see... Sorry, yes. Although, oh, wow. Dudley Moore and Bamboozled movie. would be a very interesting movie. That'd be a very I interesting thought, choice. Yeah. I guess could we could we make that happen? <laughs> I guess he play the TV executive character. No, no, know. Dan. No, no, no. He is playing. He's playing. Well, he's playing the the. Well, I anyway, mean, we don't need. I don't, anyway, he's yeah, gonna play one of the. He's gonna play it. one of the, the mind reels. Yeah, so. Joint, so. <laughs> yeah, bedazzled. The original bedazzled. Um, not to be confused with the the brilliant remake with uh with with the Brendan Fraser. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but but after foul play, it was like America could not get enough of that short perv, and then uh, and then they wanted, and then Arthur was like, I, I want more of that. short short drunk mm-hmm. perv and so then that led us to, to six weeks where uh, yeah as Elliot points out he is running for congress while clearly british and also <laughs> is the funny politician because that dudley moore can't not be quippy in this yeah. he also by the way contributed let, let's let's not lose sight of the fact he contributed the score to this movie oh, yeah. which is oppressively terrible <laughs> yes, yeah. no it is a terrible score but it yeah, i believe it won like a golden globe i was doing some like behind the scenes like I think it won or was nominated for a Golden Globe. I think Dudley Moore was nominated for a Golden Globe, and Mary Tyler Moore was nominated for a Razzie for this. So, <laughs> well, the the early '80s Golden Globes was really like the peak period of like, let me fly you to Vegas for a weekend. That is true. You know, <laughs> this, is... this is right in the just before the whole Piazzadora thing blew up in their <laughs> yeah. faces. But you could really charm, wine, dine, and gift your way into a Golden Globe nomination in that period. Did, Not that he did, mind you. No, no. But th- I think, Dan, to defend Dudley Moore somewhat, his yes. early stuff is really funny. Like if you see Beyond the Fringe or you see what's sure. left of – what survives of his work with uh, Peter Cook from then, it is really funny. But it's like by six weeks, he seems to be on that path that a lot of comedy actors go to where they're like, I don't need to be funny. I'm charming. And you know what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm an actor. So it's so like he's so not funny in this, even though he's supposed to be the funny politician. And it's such a snapshot of a time when it, he is just taken for granted that he is somewhat of a vaguely liberal politician. He seems to have no firm stands on anything. He uh-huh. never gives the audience or the voters a reason that they should vote for him. Yeah, and it's one of the where, real glaring weak spots of the movie is that we don't really understand his politics. Right, Elliot? Well, no, well, more that like I don't care if he's elected to Congress. Like I don't know why he wants to be elected to Congress. So why? So if the movie is about a little girl who is so becomes so devoted to him that uh-huh. she wants she'll she wants to spend the last moments of her life getting him into the Capitol, it's like when she's like, "What do you think about poor people?" He goes, "I'd like to help them." What do you think about poor wars? I'd like to stop them. You're my man. Okay, great. Like it's just <laughs> I don't want I don't want to see him doing a lot of stuff. But he he makes such a big deal in the movie about how. He's not about issues. He's about, you know, whatever. And it's just like, it just feels a different v- version I'm, I'm of I'm not title. about issues. I'm about spending a lot of time away from my wife. Yeah. And, and, away, and frankly, away from the campaign. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah. But it, <laughs> nice. Is, yeah, it also, keeping his eyes on the prize. <laughs> no, but it is, it, is a, it is a movie where the hero 
ab- basically abandons his family. And there's the scene it's, we'll get to, I guess, where his de- his son goes, "I get it, Dad." This, and it's like, it's like, wait, hold, hold on a second, like that's not the conversation. Yeah, they well, movie feels the like movie this because... movie feels like it was adapted from a "Am I the asshole?" post on Reddit. Like you, <laughs> yes. read, you read the headline, yeah. you're like, "Abandons yeah. your family? What an asshole!" And then you get to the bottom, you're like, "Hmm." Well, it feels like that's Dudley Moore's filmography, I guess. Look, I'm a rich, drunk guy, but people love me. Am I the asshole? Look, <laughs> I saw this I saw this, this white girl with dreads on the beach, and I had to have her. Am I the asshole? Like, yeah, yeah I guess that's... Look, I'm an advertising yeah. executive, and I'm not doing good work, so they threw me in a sanitarium. Am I the asshole? Is he a therapist having sex with his patient or a patient having sex with a therapist and lovesick? I forget. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but either, either way, case, you're the yeah. asshole. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, guys- this movie emotionally is all over the place, uh, I would say. And in terms of like the uh, sympathy it wants us to have for the characters, it's asking a lot. Uh, but let's get into the plot to explain the plot. why that is true. First, and this is going to be more detail-oriented than I get for most of it, it starts with that old Universal Pictures logo where it's like a planet behind a miasma of toxic gas, and that just yeah. brought me back to my childhood right away. So I really appreciated that. Uh, Dudley Moore, like we said, he's Patrick Dalton. He's a foreign-born but American-raised pol- – or he's only been in America for like 10 years, I guess. Uh, an English-British man who is now a citizen who's running for Congress. He is a California state legislator, and the worst thing that he keeps complaining about is that he has to commute between Sacramento and Los Angeles. And it's like, yeah, I hear you. What you're living a bad time, man. That's that sucks. That you gotta take that forty minute flight or whatever it is. Anyway, uh he's known for his humor and his pranks. And he gets to this he's running late to get to a fancy fundraiser because an interview went long, which is bad planning on the part of his campaign manager. Like that's he should have people who help him with that. Uh but his campaign manager is already at the party. Uh, he's running late, and he runs into a teen on the road. Now, by that, I made it sound like he hit the teen with his car. That's not what happens. He stops and asks this this uh, teenage girl or adolescent girl, I guess, for directions. She she's, um, she's about thirteen. I uh, I looked up the actor, and I would say that the one of the major problems with this movie is it does not treat it as weird that this middle aged man immediately befriends a thirteen year old girl. In a like a kind of a beautiful girls style flirty way, I would say. Well, it's, it's because it's a she's little... she's a very movie style precocious, like super exactly. flirty thirteen year old. Where she immediately asks if he's a pedophile and if he's attracted to her, and uh-huh. he navigates that. I guess as as well as someone that's actually actually he navigates it poorly, but not as poorly. He as He navigates it, could be. it poorly. Like the movie does not over like the mo- There's a <laughs> there's a bar the movie has to reach to make this relationship not seem a little creepy and it does not clear it i would say it repeatedly you have to, to remember audiences at this time had just gotten out of watching foxes and pretty baby so pretty much <laughs> like for some reason <laughs> prepubescent girls were just like open season in hollywood at that point yeah, yeah. as opposed to the other periods in hollywood when yeah. it was hands off these we have to guard these, <laughs> these prosperity you hear that, Charles Chaplin? Anyway, so the uh, so she's also we know that she's quirky because she's collect- Elliot's naming names, guys. Watch out! <laughs> yeah, watch, watch out! I don't care. I don't care whose toes I step on. Uh, I got to think of somebody who's, else. It's another whose graves I step on. <laughs> Uh, so uh, she's collecting dead birds. She cuts their head and feet off to make what she refers to as a fetish, kind of a voodoo item. But uh-huh. she doesn't say why. And this uh-huh. is one of those things where it's like, again, just because it's a quirky. Paimon or Paimon or whatever. It's, 
Yeah, it's like a garden state type <laughs> thing. Uh, real, just a quirk. Her name is Nikki, and she, he, uh, she says, go up there to the house, and he invites her as his guest. And she shows the party and keeps from getting kicked out. And this is a plot line I wish they'd carried through, which is the owner of this house is this rich, middle-aged, bald man who hates this little girl. And they have a real <laughs> antagonistic relationship. And it's kind of dropped halfway through. And I wanted to know, what? why do they, they're so openly sniping at each other and that was the most interesting relationship in the film to me so yeah. i want to see a movie about a rich old man and a rich adolescent girl who hate each other and are just like <laughs> like just feuding all the time i think that'd be really it's this, oh that's a war with grandpa sequel i want yeah, to see yeah. the yeah. same way that like i walked out of the irishman being like i want to see a movie where where joe pesci and another old man are just and al pacino are arguing over the affection of their friends <laughs> like trying yeah. to be the, the cool the best uncle to this little kid because that was the part of the movie i liked the most okay uh nikki's mom is charlotte dreyfus played by mary tyler moore with the hair that uh, I guess I describe it as there's this in the old Ninja Turtles comics. April O'Neil gets a weird perm, and everyone talks about how much they love it. And that's <laughs> yes. the haircut that Mary Tyler Moore has in this. Uh-huh. In this yeah, movie. I, I I hate to linger too much on actors' appearances in the in in movies. Uh, it, it seems untoward, but like it does represent some of the worst of 1980s like rich lady fashion. The way that they 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 style her in this movie. It's that moment in the early in a decade where you're still sort of dealing with the the the, the last refuge of, of of the previous decade. Mm-hmm. So this is like the worst of like 1978, still kind of <laughs> subsiding away. Yeah, not since Gary Oldman as butt hair v- Dracula in Bram Stoker's Dracula have I been so <laughs> distracted by a haircut in a movie. It's like, and she has it through the whole movie in every scene. I just be like, I can't. I'm sorry, I can't take you seriously with that. And it's you're like, like when, uh, um, and she works for like a cosmetics company, right? You would think. Images. Well, yes, like she owns a cosmetics, a cosmetics yeah. company that operates out of her house slash factory slash cultural community arts center. Yeah. But anyway, we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, the it's, it's like in uh, in American Crime Story, O.J. Simpson or whatever, when Marsha Clark gets her new hair and everyone is like, what did you do? Except nobody in the movie <laughs> thinks there's a problem with it. It's just uh-huh. <laughs> anyway. So uh, so she is a cosmetics magnate who hates politicians. They're always asking her for money. And she thinks that Dudley Moore is just another one and that he's using her daughter to get to her money. And she does t- does not like it. And this is when we see that Dudley Moore has only the barest hint of an ideology or a personality, to be honest. He's just kind of like a guy who's used to, he seems like he's the guy who's like, if I'm in any situation where I have to like do anything, I'll just sit down at a piano and play a Billy Joel song and everyone will sing along and then I can leave and I don't have to like actually exert myself to connect with other human beings. Based on this young girl, she seems to inspire, he seems to inspire this Bernie-like devotion in the youth. (laughs) (laughs) Like these, these like <laughs> whatever his uh, policies are, she immediately <laughs> wants to sign on and volunteer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Does no one talk to this girl? She seems very excited about the fact that she's getting any attention. Uh, they, yeah, mm-hmm. You're right. The, the, the scene with Mary Tyler Moore reveals his one scruple. Yeah. Uh, what is his one <laughs> scruple? That he, yeah, I guess that he doesn't want to be a babysitter later on, or. Uh, well, that and that just the idea that that he has no idea who she is, and he resents the implication that he would dare befriend this girl just to get to mom's bank account. Yeah, uh, he's got his pride, you know. He's 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 got his honor, even though as we'll see, he's a man who will cast aside his family without much thought. Who are his family? We'll meet him. He has a wife, and he has a son who has a broken leg, like a high school age yep. son, and. Uh, she doesn't like but, I mean, politics. Keeps right off, yeah. right off the bat. We see his family 
not as good as his other possible family, right? No, not as good. <laughs> uh, his his son also his son is a real void, just like uh-huh. a, a nothing. And his wife, she just is always nagging him about how he's never at home ever because of politics. <laughs> always, uh, always nagging him about how he apparently, as we learn later, had another affair earlier, and now probably. seems deeply ambivalent about his family. Yeah, we she he, it's the and it's I would say the only relationship with less chemistry in the movie than Dudley Moore and Mary Tyler Moore is Dudley Moore and his and the wife character where they're in bed together and they're talking about stuff and he's like being a little flirty and I was like have they met like was this like did the son introduce them that day and they're and this is their first night together and they're just feeling out how they are as a couple you know and, 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 and whoever styled her, I'm sure probably the genius behind Mary Tyler Moore's perm, is not doing her any favors. Like she looks like she went to the the beauty parlor with a picture of the mom from Footloose and said, "Make me look like <laughs> yeah. this." Yeah, they're they're really setting her up as like the the dowdy nag back home that you want him to get away from, which was not fair, I'll say. So Charlotte Dreyfus, she calls him to her, or Dreyfus, as they always say, because I guess they don't want people to think she's Jewish. I don't know. Calls him to her office slash factory, which also has an arts warehouse, and Nikki has a ballet class studio there. And she wants to contribute money to him because Nikki believes in him so much. Uh, But she wants Nikki to be a part of the campaign. And he's like, what? I'm not going to like just babysit your daughter to that for to yeah. support my political campaign, I'm a I'm a serious candidate with no stances on any issues. Uh, and, well, and <laughs> but this this is one of the few scenes in the movie where I like Dudley Moore because he responds to this objectively strange offer of I will give you a bunch of money if you uh, like take my daughter around and give her a slot on your campaign staff with. No, lady. <laughs> like, this is like the one time in the movie where I'm like, okay, this is like a reasonable way for a human to act. Like, he's like, this yeah. is weird. And it is weird, to be fair. I do wish I do wish it had been more of a cop and a half type thing where she's like, you can have the money, but Nikki's your campaign manager now. And now he's doing like a kid's mm-hmm. idea of, of, of uh-huh. a political campaign. <laughs> but it works. People love it. They find it so refreshing, you know, uh-huh. where the other guy's mm-hmm. hurling mud in attack ads. This guy's hurling candy. From well, a, that from was a, the original draft of the, water balloons. Yeah. That was the original draft of the script, and then they tr- they turned it into crazy people. They're like, uh, "We like the, <laughs> oh, what see. if a kid is good at politics, but what if a crazy yeah. person is good at advertising?" Yeah. <laughs> and what if an advertising man is good at lion taming? But what if a lion tamer is good at ocean exploration? What if that ocean explorer is the best stripper in the world? Like, uh-huh. there's any number of ways you could take it. So she gets upset, and she's like, Nikki wants to accomplish something in her life. And he's like, He'll, she'll accomplish something when she grows up. And she goes, she's not going to grow up. I've said too much, and runs off crying. That night, uh, Patrick goes back to see Charlotte, at, kind of just walks into their house, which is yeah. weird. Uh, well, he knows they, the they, secret they, entrance they, now. I guess that's true. But there are rich people who live in a warehouse in an industrial district, and they, I guess the doors are not locked. But uh, Nikki is practicing ballet like a regular Kitty Pride, and they have a heart-to-heart where he gets—he admit—by admitting that he once cheated on his wife, a story he says he didn't tell anyone before, he gets her to admit that she has leukemia, and she's tired of having everything in her life handed to her and wants to work for something. Before she dies. Now, so, when her at, spoiler alert, at the end of the movie, she has her dream come true literally handed to her, and she doesn't seem to have a problem with it. But Stuart, what were you going to say? The, take yeah, down, so take I, down this dying girl. Take her I, down. I never would have realized that when she asks him. So, like, you know, she's a precocious kid, and she asks him like straight to his face if he's ever had an affair. 
Um, and at first I'm like, is she like testing to see if he'd be a good candidate? But no, she's testing the water to see if he'll abandon his family to join her family at that point, right? Yeah, she's she's grooming him. That, is, they call that grooming in yeah. the kids that are, are that are pre- being predators on married middle aged men uh, community. Yeah. Well, she is taller than he is. That's true. Yeah. I mean, she is also she's she has the most emotional control of anyone in the movie. The character, I mean, where it's just like the the adults do a lot of like crying and not being sure what to do, and she's you know she's a kid in the movie, so she's super confident and like kind of is always in charge. Mm-hmm. A real curly now, Sue. I, I I would like to say at this point, like so, other than the potentially worrisome nature of this relationship, which is a huge hurdle again that I do not think the movie like quite. It sort of like jumps on it and like stumbles over the the hurdle, but um, but other than Clang, that, yeah. <laughs> other than that, ouch, I my jewels. Movie, why do like, you carry? Why first... are you carrying them in your pocket when yeah. you're jumping over those hurdles? It's a good question. <laughs> for, for the first like twenty minutes to half an hour of the movie, I'm like, okay, like I don't like this one element, but I could see how this movie could work, and if later on we want to do our script doctoring i i might be up for that but like <laughs> yeah in our classic like, segment do- doctor doctor <laughs> give me the news i got a bad case yeah. of rewriting you <laughs> yeah but the, but <laughs> the script flopped her <laughs> but this the, this part of the movie could be interesting this like young girl who's like idealistic but is 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 dying and this politician and a friendship they strike like that could be an interesting part of the movie and like for the first part of the movie i'm like oh okay i'm not loving this but we watch a lot of genre movies it's nice to see a, like a human-sized drama and this is the point of the movie where the movie stops being interesting at all to me like because it veers into a long romance between dudley moore and mary tyler moore and as referenced before they have less than no charisma together <laughs> yeah. or, or chemistry and it is like it is just it becomes a very boring slog peppered with like me yelling at the screen about the way characters are acting. I mean there's three there's I would say there's three major flaws with the story of this movie. One, it's not a very mm. interesting story. And uh-huh. I say that of someone who has has found that I have a real appetite for older weepy melodramas, like forties weepy melodramas, like that get really over the top. Yeah. But this one is it's neither over the top enough nor is it believable enough. Two, uh Nikki is not a real person at any point she's like a movie perfect kid who she never gets upset she never throws a tantrum like i have two great kids and they're constantly pissing the shit out of me like they're just they're always getting me mad when she like gets when she when her illness finally overtakes her at no point up till then does she ever really seem sick Right, like, yeah. Unless I was, well, that's because she's. Got, oh, that's. We'll okay. get there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not only does she never seem sick, she she dances in, in a ballet. But anyway, the uh, and three, the the two romantic leads, they don't have a sense of their the romance doesn't feel palpable between those performances. But also, like, it feels like the movie is giving you so many reasons to not want them to be together. Like, there's so many yes. good reasons they should not be in a relationship. <laughs> There is no reason – like, I do not know why they fall in love with each other other than they are bonding over this dying Pure child. Pure animal magnetism. And, <laughs> yeah. And also this sort of, like, vague sense that, like, Dudley Moore wants out of his marriage, which is a not, like, a – like, look, life, yeah. life is long and we all have not for things Nikki, that happen in our That's lives. That's true, really. Like, I'm not going to – 
like people have complicated lives. I'm not going to like necessarily pass judgment from afar on people, but as a movie protagonist, I'm not like, yeah, leave your family for these guys. There's the idea of like, okay, this girl is, she's an adolescent girl and she knows she's dying. So of course she's going to be sort of, intellectually sexually precocious she's going to want to talk about this stuff because she's not going to get older it's not a thing where she can wait until it's appropriate of course she's going to ask questions and blurt out inappropriate things and all that stuff fine Uh whatever but in the context of a movie in which there is already this weird creepy relationship between her and Dudley Moore and just that era of movies that was tending to sexualize girls at far too early an age anyway none of that plays and so I think that that's a thing you could you could cherry pick out of this movie yes. and put into a smarter film but in this context it's just gross yeah, yeah at any, at any yeah. point i expected gross. travis bickle to show up and blast dudley moore and get her get that <laughs> little girl out of there <laughs> i mean i'm here to save you kid yeah. i do want to i do want to say about the actor the the young girl like the 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 character is completely unworkable but i will give her credit she does a, like a good job trying to make it work, especially because this is her only acting credit. She was a uh, an ice dancer and a, a uh, like a very acclaimed ballerina, but this is her one acting role. Yeah, so if her like yeah. grandkids put this podcast on for her so she can listen to it, she won't feel. Look, bad. I. I mean, she's not I that old. She's like, she's she, this was it. She was she was thirteen in the in nineteen eighty two. So she's not. I don't think she has grandchildren. This isn't a fucking wanna, math wanna, podcast, Elliot. <laughs> I want to give the movie the credit I can. You know me. Like I always want to like say the thing that like. Look, it is a yeah. I'll, I'll go along. I'll go along with that. Does not I'll go make along with sense, the premise but, that you always want to say nice things about movies. I'll buy into that premise for this episode. <laughs> no, I'm just like look. This is a terrible character, but but I've seen much more experienced child actors do much worse jobs with better material. Oh no, I think she I think if anyone if there, anyone ha- is trying and somewhat succeeding to make their character work a little bit, it is her and her name is Catherine Healy. But uh it's yes, she yeah. can hold her head high. She can hold yeah, she can, I mean she can hold her head higher than Dudley Moore certainly because he's very short. <laughs> Well, he's dead, Elliot. He is a, he is a, he has passed away. Has You're right. When he died, he got six feet tall. You're right. So the, the joke's inaccurate. No, I'm so saying she can hold head, her head. He can't lift his head anymore. Well, but, so you're saying she can lift her head even higher than him after you die. That's what they say. <laughs> that's why. The, that's why coffins are expandable. That's why they have those accordion sides on coffins. <laughs> yeah. That's right. why they had to dig up uh, Lincoln's body at one point, and he had grown to 17 feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so anyway, long story short, uh, through things like going to carnivals together uh, and avoiding Patrick's family, Charlotte starts falling in love with Patrick. Patrick doesn't want to hurt his family, but he's been disappearing for days, if not weeks, and so yeah. he has been hurting his family. His wife assumes that he loves Charlotte, and he's like, I, I don't know. And Dudley Moore's wife asks him, are you in love with Charlotte? And he's like, um, well, um, and she says, don't come home like, until you're done yeah, with pick this. Pick a lane, mofo. Well, uh, she very reason very reasonably says you can't have two families. <laughs> yeah, he says I am not involved with Charlotte, which very much is not the question that she yeah. asked him. No, it also implies that he's involved with Nikki, which is worse. 
which is yeah. terrible. So, but, uh, so Nikki loves this situation. She loves that she finally has a dad and her mom is finally falling in love uh, and advises them to have sex with each other and is like, it's so gross. It's so sitcom kid gross where she's like, tonight I'm going to sleep with my headphones oh, no. on. Are you going to make love oh, to each other? She says, are you going to make love to each other? Tonight I'm sleeping with my headphones on so I wouldn't hear anything. And they both say, each other, they're, I left they're like, a few tasteful toys in your bed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here are my Barry White albums. (laughs) He goes, "Uh, I think you'll find this little blue pill can help you past any qualms you might have, Patrick. (laughs) But uh, they then she they have a conversation that is so it felt like the kind of it felt like the kind of thing that I see usually in like an Alan Alda project where it's two (laughs) middle aged kind of upper middle class rich white people saying like, I have such feelings for you. I think you should go because if you stayed tonight, I'd just never be able to let you go. Uh-huh. Yes, that would be the mature decision to make because I'm so <laughs> torn by lust for you and love for you. We, mm-hmm. we do love each other, and that's why yeah. I have to leave right now. And I was like, uh-huh. they are so like, let's shake hands. Yes, yeah, like, and they, they let's say, shake hands and say goodnight. And it was like so, this very like, hmm, I don't know what love feels like anymore or lust for that matter. But I assume that's it now. So I think I'll leave now. Like it, it felt like two robots yeah. that have been pro- programmed I mean- to tell each other they love each other. <laughs> There could be like a complex movie made about this, but the, this movie does not pick a lane, as Alonzo said before. Like, either you don't give Dudley Moore a family, which is what I would advocate for, or you make it much clearer that, like, you know, like he, like everyone's tortured over this. Maybe he realizes that he's kind of a dick. Like, yeah. <laughs> But it, also, it all, it, who is Nikki's? Who is Nikki's huh? dad? Like, is he dead? Or were they divorced? <laughs> is it a virgin birth? Mm-hmm. Like we're never yeah. told anything. It's it's true. Yeah. It is a huge. It is a gaping. I, there must be something that they cut out. Maybe because it is a gaping void that we never find out what the deal is with that. Because they're very. It's yeah. a very different situation if her parents are divorced. If her father died, does she ever knew her? Did she ever know her dad? Does her, did her mother have have a child? Out of like not married, like it, those are all different situations that a child would react to was differently. Her, like, but it kind of doesn't matter. Like a like a short, fast talking Englishman, because that would explain her connection with him. Right? <laughs> oh yeah, her dad was Bob Hoskins. That's the thing. I <laughs> so, mean, Bob Hoskins would be incredible. Anthony Newley. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a there's a a feeling yeah that that God created this family out of whole cloth for Dudley Moore's character to like yeah. escape from his his <laughs> Ult- family, which is ultimate temptation. Fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, they have this kind of like simulacrum kind of like a kind of, you know, Jordan Wolfson animatronic uh, character conversation about uh, love. <laughs> and Dreyfus, the Dreyfus is throw a big fundraiser at their factory community center house and Patrick's wife and son show up. Oh, shit. Yeah. The th- th- things are going to go down, except they don't. It's super awkward. But then, but then this, as I mentioned earlier, Dudley Moore's son goes up and goes, Dad – don't think I don't understand. And it's this weird moment where it's like, so is it that your son also wants to have sex with Mary Tyler Moore? And yes. that's why he like gets it. Like, well, he watched like, the Dick Van Dyke show on Nick at night when he was young. I guess. And he saw but those it's this capri we- pants. And uh, <laughs> no, it's, it is, look, it is, that, that dying girl is so precocious. I totally understand why she needs your attention more than yeah. more than I do. It look, look, dad, I'm going to college soon. I want to cut ties with this family too. Like, let's just make a pact, you and me. We're not. This family doesn't exist anymore. If we shake on well, it, this and, never happens. <laughs> and never, also, yeah, Mary you, Tyler me, Moore, mom, this never happened. 
<laughs> Mary Tyler Moore like sort of pulls the wife away and they have like a conversation off screen. It could be an interesting scene, but they don't show it where like I I assume what happens is Mary Tyler Moore is reassuring the wife that nothing has happened yeah. even though there is this emotional affair going on. And this this the scene is very strange because it is the closest the movie comes to acknowledging that like this is a really shitty thing that Dudley Moore is doing right now uh-huh. but the rest of the movie and particularly the ending seem to make us like like want to make us think like no 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 like you should be with Mary Tyler we Moore we get it too and yeah. we we never see the, his family again after this scene right like they're just not in the movie anymore i think yeah i don't think so but uh there's like, a if so they might like be on the other side of a phone or something yeah, yeah. Uh, so Charlotte tells Patrick uh, during a during a very subdued grown up phone call again. This is kind of like Alan Alda emotions that uh, she's met now that she's met his family and sh- they have faces. They can't do this anymore. And she and Nikki are going to fly to New York and maybe go. Who knows? Travel all over the world together. And Patrick is like, Yeah, like it's well, a bucket, you know, bucket list situation. Yeah, I mean, literally, it is a bucket list situation. Yeah. And mm. and Patrick is like, No. No, and he chases after them and catches them at the airport. And it it is like, and they're all like, yay, we're together again. And there's a segment, there's a, there's a brief moment where Dudley Moore is having trouble with the metal detector at the airport. He just can't seem to get all this metal out of his pockets. And I was like, I can't figure out if this is supposed to be funny or if I'm supposed to yeah. be like, no, no, he's not going to be able to catch up with them. Or if I'm going to be like, good, stay there. Don't like get stuck. Yeah. I don't I want mean, you to be with these people. And this was even, this is before the current like, TSA, like it should be, like he should be like waltzing. <laughs> Wait a minute, through this checkpoint. <laughs> this this checkpoint didn't happen after nine eleven, Dan. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, like to have like this ostensibly funny set piece about like a guy who I assume as a senator travels all the time, being yeah. like, what? he's a he, he's, he's a state senator. Yeah. I mean, although I do you see people just like waltz that. up to the yeah. gate. Yeah, these days, <laughs> like so that, those days. Those days, it was like. Uh, let me check your gun, sir. It has bullets in it? Good. That's the way to the gate. Just go yeah. up there. Oh, would you like me to so, light uh, your cigarette? Uh, uh, is your flamethrower fully charged? Okay, good. You're you're cleared. Now, this hey, is the tr- line for story. people who want to take the plane to Cuba. Do you want to get in that line? <laughs> true story. I, my, my family uh, went to Spain in 1978 to celebrate my parents' silver wedding anniversary because that's where they were both born. My grandmother had in her house an unexploded, defused Spanish Civil War bomb. <laughs> wow. We took it apart, put the pieces in different pieces of luggage, and brought it home, and I still have it as a doorstep. Wow. Oh. That's pretty fantastic. That's pretty great. And yet Dudley Moore's change is somehow ge- making it impossible for him yeah. to get to the uh, the LAX, yeah. uh, you know, New York. <laughs> Back then, every now and then they'd stop you and they'd say, actually, can you check that bag? Someone wants to bring a bomb on in the overhead compartment. We'd really appreciate it if you could make yeah. space for it. Like it was. But yeah, he's, he just he can't get through there. But he catches them on an escalator. Uh, I will say I was like, oh, LAX really has not changed very much in the past 40 years because I, I recognize the tunnel that he was running through but uh he catches them they all fly to also he when did he buy a ticket did he buy the ticket on the plane like come on where, what's going on around here uh the conductor comes down the aisle <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah oh where are you going to uh new york it's a five dollar yeah. surcharge you bought yeah. on the plane click chick 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 yeah. punching out the holes on the on it <laughs> that was the earlier earlier era of plane travel yeah, yeah. the guy walking down <laughs> punching out holes i mean there was there were times i don't think you ever do it on cross-country flights but there was 
was a period in the 70s where there were commuter flights where if they had empty seats, they would sell them to you on the plane. Like you could just walk up to That's walk up great. to get on the plane. They'd be like if they and find an empty seat and then you could buy it on the plane. OK, so they're in New York and they have a magical Christmas time weekend. What better place to be in? to be in on Christmas than New York because it's got all the things that Christmas is all about. Snow that is uh-huh. covered in dog feces, yep. uh, homeless people dying under newspaper blankets. Uh, what other great things are in New York uh, in Christmas? I haven't been there in a while, guys. What do you remember? The Rockefeller what are you seeing Christmas these days? tree, Elliot. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got yeah. Christmas trees infested with owls, all uh-huh. sorts of stuff. Yep. <laughs> uh, I, do they go skating? I assume I... Looked away they from do the go. They go skating. ice. They do all she the things. She goes skating and they watch. All she the, goes uh, ice skating all and the they pizza watch. stands sell uh, holiday themed reindeer flavored uh, pizza sausage meat. <laughs> do they <laughs> reindeer flavored pizza sausage meat? Well, they the yeah, thing they, is they grind up the pizza. What? They grind up the pizza. Not reindeer sausage, reindeer <laughs> yeah, flavor. <laughs> they grind up the pizza and they stuff it into the sausage casing yeah. and they sprinkle a little artificial reindeer flavoring. It's not natural, yeah. but it tastes like, you know, bears say it tastes just like real reindeer. Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah. And, <laughs> but well, the, blind yeah. the weird thing then is I that mean, they that tied. problem. Uh-huh. That's a bad. Uh, that's a bad uh, business plan where your pizza is mostly marketed towards bears that wander into New York. <laughs> yeah, really- yeah. I mean, it, we used to. Back in the olden days when more bears wandered in. Yeah, and that's Christmas time. All the bears come in just for the holiday tourists. The other thing that's weird is they take the sausages and tie them into a pretzel shape. So it's also a pretzel. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, they they one thing that I – I wonder if now if I should talk about how much – I've come to dislike Christmas as I, as I get older, or should we save that I towards mean, the sure. end? I mean, sure. Alonzo's here. Why not, you know? <laughs> yeah. Al- it, just say it to my face, yeah. Elliot. I, I, Alonzo, I, it, I Alonzo didn't want to have to tell you this, this way. Alonzo is sitting in front of a massive Christmas tree. There's a huge display. There's a nativity scene. It looks like it's handmade. Did you make that yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Out of butter, yes. I mean, I, I will say Alonzo's real Christmas tree, and I, you know, look, there's no way to say this. I was like, I don't want to insult Alonzo. And I'm like, there's no way of saying this. It looks a little like the Charlie Brown Christmas Christmas tree. There are well, large gaps in it, I would say. <laughs> it is It is a silver tip fur, mm-hmm. which is a very intentional choice. And they're harder to come by because they, it's the kind of thing you see in like 40s movies all the time. But now uh, if you yes. want one, you have to really look for it. They really show off the ornaments well. Oh. So I know people's go-to for this kind of thing is Charlie Brown. But, you know, I'll tell you, the we... Come back at night. You'll see it all lit up. It'll yeah. you'll you'll get it. All right. I will come back to this the Skype call at night. <laughs> now that no, the problem is Dan's a vampire, so now Alonzo, he can just walk into your house whenever. Now that you've invited him. Oh no, once. I've invited him. Yeah. Uh, now here's the thing. I used to be agnostic on Christmas, by which I mean I was like, whatever, someone else's holiday. But now that I have children and they are bombarded by Christmas stuff at school, I'm like we got to stop. This has got to end now. And I'm, I'm finding myself stop becoming. This? Yeah. Like, and so gonna, anyway, you think you're going to stop I must Christmas? stop it from coming. So anyway, I've, I've enlisted in the war on Christmas and I'm now going to be just burning down Christmas trees. But now, now I'm, got, I'm getting much more militant about him understanding what Hanukkah is all about than I would have been otherwise. I'm like, we're going to talk about some Maccabees, Sammy. Like, it's time to tell a Maccabee mm-hmm. story. And he's like, can I open my present now? And I'm like, um, Antiochus wouldn't <laughs> let you open that present. Let's talk about it, Sammy. I apologize, anyway. by the way, as a Gentile, that uh, Christmas has caught, has forced you to elevate a minor holiday in the Jewish calendar to... Uh, oh, TL, wow. TL, Dan, too little, too late. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 appreciate that. I appreciate you taking on the shoulders of 
2,000 years of, uh, of <laughs> exactly. anti-Semitism. Oppression. But uh, it's too little too late. And uh, just when, when, when the shoe's on the other foot in a couple hundred I... years, and when Judaism's the world religion, just get ready to be bored of Passover. <laughs> Look, I guess if if by apologizing, I have now become the, the the subject of all of all ire. You know, like that's a sacrifice that I got to take. I gotta oh take wow! It. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I watched Love Lights Hanukkah on the Hallmark Channel last night, so I like to think I'm doing my part to bridge. The- oh, wow. I appreciate that. You know what, Alonzo? You're you're one of the good guys. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, uh- Alonzo Duralde, good for the Jews. <laughs> uh, <laughs> look, I'll look. If, the goal if, of my life. If you need that, if you need, if you need that blurb attributed to me, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Good for the juice. We'll sign off. Yeah, I like it. Uh, so anyway, but Christmas in New York yet is a magical time. Anyway, they do all the made all the they ice skating. They go see the Nutcracker, which did bring back memories to me because my family every year did go see the Nutcracker when I was young, which was fantastic. They step in wet cement and ruin uh, a construction project, and I'm just hoping it's Trump related, in which case. Uh, great keep yeah. ruining it <laughs> ruin away uh, and Nikki reads them her list they're sitting in uh, what is it um, in Sherman Square is that it it's like right by the by the big statue by, of uh, of General Sherman uh, at the corner of the park and they say she's reading this list of things she's never done or had and mentions I've never had sex and I was like movie this cannot turn into Dudley Moore being <laughs> a hero by having sex with Nikki this cannot yeah, turn into no. that that is not here's okay. the thing like if this was a, if again a yeah. smarter movie, yeah. If, if you're gonna if you're gonna about, put that in, you gotta do the work movie. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, no. If this is about a thirteen-year-old girl work. who is dealing heavily with her, you know, her basically her death sentence, rather than this like weird backdoor like tragedy romance. Like, if it's really about this girl dealing with things, like. I would understand this as a conversation she has with her therapist. You know, like she's of an age where she's like beginning to have these regrets. Like I will, not, this is a thing I will not experience in my life. Adults get to experience, I won't. But like saying it as part of her list to her mom and her, like the the guy she's trying to like manipulate into being her dad yeah. is weird. <laughs> yeah. Or that I was worried. I've never seen an X-rated movie was also on that list. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yes. And it's like, I wonder there is I mean I guess there is a there is a if they were making this movie in like the late 60s early 70s I could see a version of where they're like well let's do all those things and they're like taking yeah. her to a, to a porno we're theater off to and, Times Square and they're just hiring like a hiring a hustler to, to sleep with her for one night yeah. or like all right yeah. let's not I could, go far down can, can, this we, road. can we watch Midnight Cowboy yeah. does that yeah. count yeah that, I mean technically yeah. x-rated but it's one of those I could see it being one of those like those comedies that were very outre in the late 60s and then you watch them now and you're like this is not aged well this i understand <laughs> that you were rebelling against something but this is not this is not something most french comedies of the 1970s yeah. Yeah. <laughs> certain certain things you wanted to rebel against should not have been rebelled against <laughs> yeah yeah uh so uh but she in- instead uh they just uh have her drive a horse carriage around central park uh so i was like okay just fine movie you know what that's, that's basically like making love. That's good enough. Yeah. yeah. Potato, potato. The feel of being I mean, in control Stuart, of a big dumb animal. Had, sure. Stuart, as someone has had sex like two, three times, yep. like you know that it's yeah. just as good as <laughs> getting in a horse-drawn carriage. And guys, but have you driven a horse-drawn uh, I, yeah. yeah, of course I did. That was when I was on my way to that X-rated movie I watched. <laughs> which one was it, Stuart? The one. Which-, uh, which one? Well, it was a short... It was a short video. I saw it on somebody's <laughs> computer. It was about, I don't know, like uh-huh. 15 seconds long. 
Wow. And it had <laughs> it was Myra Breckenridge. <laughs> yeah. It had some very interesting sound design. Let me say that. <laughs> I'm so okay. confused about what the, what the reality of this bit is. Like what? what uh, so that night uh, at Nikki's instigation, they have a little sort of play wedding with her dead bird voodoo fetish, which oh, she brought God. with her. It's amazingly not rotted by this point as the priest. Mm-hmm. And Nikki conducts the ceremony where she has them uh, proclaim vows of eternal memory of the love of this moment, and they're a family Jesus. now. And it is so. It's like. So it is such a midsummer type scene where I'm like, but they think it is touching and beautiful. It was. Very- this is so upsetting that this young girl, yeah, is like forcing again these two adults, one of whom has a family, into this mock wedding. It feels like uh, the Twilight Zone episode. It's a good life. Where it's like, mm-hmm. it's good. It's good that you're making us marry each other. It's yeah. good you're making me abandon my wife and child. Yes, it's it's good you're making me sleep with your mom. <laughs> yes, Nikki, these are all good things. It's a very, it's like, it's, it, it's this weird, someone who like, it feels like someone who lives in a movie made it. Like someone yeah. who's not, not fully aware of human emotions, but like lives in movies and it's like, isn't this adorable? And it's like, there's, there's so much going, like, and what, what has, what has gone wrong in this, in this girl's relationship with her mother that she's like, this is an okay way to do things. Like, I'm gonna, like, we've kidnapped this man. And, isn't and now this, he is, isn't this, isn't this scene like, like mentioned on the poster like the poster's like the girl's dying the guys the groom is already married and the bride is in her sweatpants or something i'm obviously oh, a different poster yeah it's on the it's on the poster I mean, if not i love that or it's, maybe I, it's like I... the tagline listed on imdb after you have to search for yeah. it three times because it keeps telling you not found <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, one of the I things swear that, i've never heard of this movie <laughs> yeah, but the, uh, the, one of the things i did read about it was that uh the uh, the promotional release for the movie uh, made a big deal about how Mary Tyler Moore and Dudley Moore have the same last name, which right. is if that's what you're selling the movie on, you do not have much. You do not have much to go on. I'm so glad they pointed that out because I would have missed it. Yeah, it would be yeah. like if the Avengers press material was like, there are so many Chris's in this fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that should be the Avengers re-release around Christmas time, and they go "Merry Christmas," and they just oh, show all the Christmas. Paul Newman and Gary Oldman in the same movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. If they touch, uh, will they explode? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is what happened. But anyway, because uh, the, well, the movie will become man. The movie was called The Incredible Exploding Man. Uh, yeah. So. They uh they have that ceremony. They're a family now in the eyes of whatever whatever demon is living inside the dead bird fetish that Nikki has <laughs> has created, uh-huh. uh, and which is driving them to their doom. Uh, the next day, Patrick arranges or rather demands a ballet audition for Nikki. Who is running these auditions? Is it the <sighs> hotel manager from Ghostbusters? I believe it is. Uh, and she really impresses them with her audition, and they're like, you know what? We've got to use her today. Because I know this is an all-kids production of The Nutcracker, and it will destroy our young star, that she is being replaced by a new person we've only known for a day, but we are doing this right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. they don't just stick her in the fuck. they She's like the lead all of a sudden. Uh-huh. And I, I like looked away from the movie for like, for like a minute, and then I came back and I'm like, what is going on? Like, how is it possible that in one day she auditioned and now they were putting her in opening night of the nutcracker at lincoln center and then i'm just like you know what movie 
no explanation you're going to give me is going to make me swallow this. Yeah. So, well, to, well whatever. it's like the dress rehearsal, yeah. I think. Like, that's their excuse for this thing. Yeah. And, and she sort of comes in midway through, but she gets, like, the meatiest part of the dance. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she's clever. Uh, yeah. I think there's an unspoken conversation about how great. Dreyfus Cosmetics is underwriting their next yeah. season. <laughs> yeah. There's also a great scene where all the young ballerinas are p- applying their own makeup for a per- uh, for this production, and they're all kids, and it's like, they wouldn't all be able to do the same fucking thing. <laughs> like, I mean, they're, they're I don't have kids, but I'm the assuming... master of stagecraft. Yeah, <laughs> I like I like that. That was the thing you really bumped on in yeah. the scene. You're like, where's this? Where? Hey. Where? The, where's the makeup person? So yeah, she's she gets to be Clara for a little bit in it. Uh, they well, to be fair, okay, the movie makes it seem as if this is the New York Ballet. Balanchine production of the Nutcracker that they do every year. This is like a some kind of kids theater, different choreography production. So the movie pulls a little sleight of hand there. Uh, and meanwhile, while she's rehearsing all day, this sick girl who's dying of leukemia, they are pushing her to the brink with uh, with this ballet rehearsal. Uh, Patrick and Charlotte go out and buy a Christmas tree and carry it by hand into a hotel. I don't, if I walked into a hotel with a Christmas tree in my hands, I bet the hotel would have some questions. But I guess if things were looser back then. Uh, it is an extremely poorly attended Nutcracker performance, but I guess that's, I guess it is the dress rehearsal, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I was just amazed. I was like, they couldn't fill these seats a little more. This is a big Hollywood movie. There's nobody there, <laughs> but, uh, they, she dances in the Nutcracker and this section feels like it happens for six weeks. Yeah. There is a lot of Nutcracker yeah. dancing in this. <laughs> you say that as someone who has gone to the ballet and enjoyed it. Someone who loves ballet, especially loves the Nutcracker, loves the music. And it's like I know I was like, oh, they're putting her in right after they kill the Rat King. Oh, this is the part where you know that she and the she the Nutcracker takes off his mask and he's a prince now. But uh, the see like it, it's I'm seeing afterwards that it's a professional ballerina that they have as in the playing the part. I was like, okay, I get it now. But it is a long time where you're just watching yeah. Dudley Moore and Mary Tyler Moore watching a children's production of the Nutcracker. And I kept looking at the how much time was left in the movie and being like. They're really running out of the clo- running out the clock with this Nutcracker performance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like there can't be too much going on after this. Uh, they they throw flowers at the stage. Everyone applauds. Her her final dream, as it turns out, is to take the subway home. This also took me back because it is 1980s graffiti covered, like yeah, disgusting subway train. Uh, it's so wow. It really it was what it was like when I was a kid. Uh, but she has some kind of illness spell, movie sickness spell, uh-huh. uh, and she's in pain. And they can't. They have a. Patrick and Charlotte argue for a while over whether they should stop the train or not, and it's like, we gotta stop the train, my baby! And Dudley Moore's like, oh, but it will just go to the next stop. That would be quicker than if you... And it was so funny that they're having the same conversation that I would have with my wife if our train was just stopped in a tunnel, where it's like, do we get off at the next stop, or do we just, like, should we take a cab from here? And all the New Yorkers try to help, but they mainly just bustle around and there's nothing they can do she nikki passes I, I will out say, i will say about this scene it would it would be very hard to make a scene where a child dies on a subway and not be moved but i i so maybe it's a low bar but i i it, it was a distressing scene because you see all of these uh other people on the subway watch this play out watch this drama play out and i thought that that was actually kind of a smart directorial choice like the amount of time they they spend on like the faces of other commuters who are like Holy shit! There's who's, a yeah. child dying in who's, front of me. Who's, who's commuting? See, I, I thought you were gonna say, I thought you would say it'd be hard to 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 have a scene about the death of a child and not make it moving. And somehow they did. <laughs> somehow, somehow they, they did managed. It. 
It, because, yeah, as Stuart pointed out earlier, she has not displayed a single symptom, a moment of yeah, discomfort, yeah. like nothing. This whole movie, she has been carrying on like everything's great. She has just exerted herself through this very exhausting ballet performance. And then suddenly it's on the subway where she literally just says, it hurts, and then yeah. bam, drops dead. I'm like, that's, oh, come on, movie. Uh-huh. Like, you know, I, I get that as a dancer, you leave it on the floor, but like, this is just <laughs> to the another level of ridiculous. And then they keep cutting to like other people watching, including this one boy who's like about 10 years old who just stares as though he has no interest in what's going hmm. on. And they cut back well, to that's him New York. three. Yeah, that's, times. that's New York. I mean, they keep, and I kept waiting, like, is he going to break? Is he going to start, like, is he going to show yeah. emotion and, and be overwhelmed by this moment? No. Nope. Nope. No, never. that was, I mean, and, well, ironically that like dancing when they were cutting to these other people in the train i like that because it was the one of the few times they broke the like hermetic seal on this relationship where it was like yes. oh they do exist in a world of other uh-huh. people but that kid alonzo <laughs> his total lack of response i was like yes that is what that is that's a real new yorker response yeah on the subway <laughs> is you're seeing that you're but and like Ugh, I don't know. Whatever. Uh, and I guess I mean, maybe not my business. It could be more of a critique than a compliment. The more I think about it, the fact that I'm more moved by the bystander bystanders who we've never seen before in the movie than yeah. either of the characters <laughs> who are supposed to love this. Yeah, other that's a that's a pretty dying. fair. That's a pretty strong critique. I would say that's that's the movie not doing its job when you're like, yeah. who's this kid? Who's this? Bl-? Like, I did think that kid was more interesting than anything else going on in the movie. I was like, who's this little jerk who doesn't <laughs> yeah. care that this girl yeah. is dying? What's his who's this hardened badass? <laughs> that, so uh, one other thing. He grew up to be Stephen Miller. Oh, no. Oh, oh God. Oh, they should have thrown him under the train uh, as a child. I would never advise doing that now to a human being. But uh, So they they run off the train. That's when we see it was an M train from Lincoln Center. Whatever. We don't have time to worry about that. Yeah. And it, because because it's the next – because we're in an ambulance all of a sudden. Going across a bridge. I, oh, no, we're going down uh, – well, it doesn't matter what street we're going down. I, anyway, anytime <laughs> I see New York in a movie, that I'm like, geography I understand. I yeah. know this stuff. So uh, the next morning – Nikki has died. We know because Patrick is reading to her mom Nikki's last testament and journal. And Mm -hmm. she talks about how she had a wonderful life and she tells them not to be sad, donate all her things, and she would like her ballet shoes to be worn by a famous ballerina. And she implies that her last – I think the implication is her last wish is for Patrick and Charlotte to finally have sex. It was not totally clear, but it was like, you know what I want you to do, hint, hint, wink, wink. And she was was like, or just just be together, which is like, wow, what a manipulative dead kid. (laughs) If you love me, she was like, donate my entire inheritance, and you're like, what? (laughs) That's like, wait, do I have to? Do you want me to die now? Do I have to be buried in your fucking tomb, kid? <laughs> yeah, Mary, Mary Tyler Moore is supposed to give away all of her money and then throw herself on the funeral pyre yeah. of, of Nikki's grave. Like yeah. <laughs> is this I would this? like you both to be buried in my pyramid with me to take care of me and be my parents in the afterlife. Now to the- I would like Dudley Moore's organs in a yeah, jar. Yeah, of course. And then <laughs> Very stu- small jar. stuff his corpse with sawdust. Uh, so the so is this when we finally get to a uh, we get to their t- you know their heartfelt goodbye at the TWA terminal at JFK because I yes, recognize those landmarks. S- hmm. They're yes. at and also, but first we get to see them. Very, we get to see the whole process as they pick out and buy a magazine at the newsstand of that airport. Yeah. <laughs> Which it was only afterwards that I was like, that was a weird choice that we spent that much time watching them pay for this magazine. Yeah. Uh, well, the, you see the men in black in the background. That was what that scene yeah. was. Oh, was I set see. up the later franchise. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
would be amazing if it's like, yeah, the whole thing was a backdoor pilot for this for this men in black group. Uh, so uh, they say goodbye. She says, I'm going to go to France for a while. I have a house there that we used to go to with my dad because just to remind us that she's super rich uh-huh. uh, and has has essentially used this congressional candidate as her family plaything for a few weeks and and kind of wrecked his life. Not, uh, that he wasn't not really. For. I mean, he's, doesn't he get everything he wants? He's equally guilty. I guess he does. They say they love each other. Uh, they oh, the, first they take a walk in Central Park, then they go to the airport. They buy that magazine, and then the last scene is we see the text of a telegram that Patrick is writing over footage of Nikki and Charlotte dancing together in the ballet studio, and he says, "Hey, to France. Hey, I won the election. How you doing? Yeah. Am I still a thing yeah. with you? Like that's basically would love to hear from you. Yeah, it's basically like." It's kind of like a booty telegram in yeah. a way. It was like, hey, I'm a congressman now. You up? What's going on? Who's uh, who, you up? Who's Stop. on the fucking <laughs> politics beat who just didn't break this story about a congressional that, candidate? Yes, that was the other thing. He wins the election after a, abandoning his family during the campaign. Yeah. Like, we, like, we just saw a guy lose a Senate race because he was texting with some people. Only in like, California, it was, you know. <laughs> it was the 80s. I guess, I mean, they did, at the time, you, we did have a president who was the president also of the Hellfire Club Inner Circle and uh, was presiding over SM orgies. Guys, I'm trying to start this rumor that Reagan was head of the Hellfire Club SM orgies. You can help get it going. On this one. Yeah, this is going to yeah, be a bit, I mean, in, in 40 years, it's just going to be established fact, but now I'm trying to get it started. Yeah, yeah I guess it's weird that the, the, I think of the 80s as a much more like, uptight time but you're right we said alonzo earlier it's like the remnants of the 70s are still floating through and the 70s was the time when middle-aged people wanted their 60s i guess and were just like well just doing what they wanted and forgetting about the the damage yeah well that that is definitely the like fucking wheelhouse this movie is in this is like this is the i don't know like 70s soft rock male ballad of movies but it also, like, you know, there wasn't the media presence, I think, at the time to be, like, constantly on Scandal Watch. But it did seem strange watching it today, being like, someone's going to break the story, right? That's yeah. going to be a, a plot point. <laughs> Why isn't this on HuffPo right now? And this was literally a very 70s kind of thing in that this is a script that knocked around for quite a while before getting made. Like, there's this insane array of people who were attached to it at some point and who were going to be in it. It was like, you know, Nick Nolte and Audrey Hepburn and like all the like this just list of actors and actresses before they got to the magical combination yeah. of the Moors <laughs> uh-huh. here. Well, uh, well also be- screenplay by Alan Moore. <laughs> that's why the characters were the characters he took his name off of this too yeah well the characters were originally uh mr micawber and and little nell that that's why it was that's why it was an alan moore project yeah well speaking of the screenplay and speaking about how it bounced around for a while thank you for giving me the opening to say that this is based on a novel and the novel is written by someone named fred Mustard Stewart. Fred Mustard Stewart. Oh, yeah. And the screenplay's by David Seltzer, and Seltzer will take out mustard. That was, mm-hmm. yeah, that, I, this was a joke that I considered making and then decided not to, where I was going to be like, oh, they're halfway to a deli in this movie. Mustard and Seltzer. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, it's a... <laughs> wait, wait, wait. That's one that you wouldn't say? Yeah. It was, I've... I felt like I am not yet an old enough Jew to tell that particular okay. joke. Yeah. Give me... And then the waiter brings you a Tony Bill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
That's the oh, director's man, like, name. <laughs> oh, the portions are so small. I do want Dudley Moore. Uh, so. <laughs> By the way, the, this is the same guy who directed Crazy People, so clearly he loved working yeah. with Dudley Moore oh, so much. It was like, they opened up a restaurant together. It turns out, uh, Tony well, Bill and, and Dudley Moore. They, they they were real. They were real friends. Uh, and uh, so it's the. But anyway, so Dan, you had you had. Do you want to talk about the other anything about this about the novel or just that the guy's name had mustard in it? Just the guy's name had mustard in it. That's all. Although <laughs> I will say, like in terms of what we were talking about earlier like script doctor stuff i think that there yeah. could be an interesting movie in the idea of like okay there's this idealistic girl who's dying okay pitch it to me Her, pitch it to me really give us the enthusiasm dudley moore has no family let's 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 okay let's, yeah. uh, you gotta cut, correct that cut right that now out. so yeah. you're saying dudley moore has less people yeah. in his life yeah. okay great yes, he is, i love it he's no, alone no in the world there is uh no rom- romance between him and the mother Maybe even like there's a mother and a father, both of whom are sort of like uh, reasonably suspicious that this is a weird relationship, but, you know, come to accept this man. But like it is more about this young woman who is dying, who is idealistic uh, and believes in this person, this and this uh, politician who maybe like does hold these ideals on the outside and like and believes in them, but doesn't necessarily make human connection well and does with this young girl and it would still be kind of a cliche story but i think it would eliminate a lot of the like emotional problems i had with it okay i'm so the dying girl's interested in politics and not so much in pimping out her okay exactly okay that's that's my first fix my screenplay fix i think that's a good that's a good uh, so and you're saying that he's like a uh he's a real policy wonk so she knows from following the blogs we're updating it it's not set in the 80s anymore she knows from following the blogs that like he's got all the answers he's this young progressive or maybe maybe an older progressive i don't know uh who's who's got but he's not good at talking to people about it and she gives him the human touch now do you have a climax where they're at the election headquarters. It's election night. He has to race from the party to her bedside, and she oh, dies just yeah. as he wins the election. Mm, so there's a big go. party going. There's a big party going on. There's confetti falling. But you know what? The light just went out of his life, and now and it, was, he, it, it was also crazy because election night happened to be the same night as the dress rehearsal for the Nutcracker, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's an off election that's happening on Christmas for some reason, yeah. and so it's it's feeling this so that the Special previous election, seat holder yeah. died under mysterious circumstances. Maybe the girl killed them, and that that could be a thing that she's like a a Hannah type assassin, you know, uh, and so. <laughs> To, and she wanted to yeah. make a, an opening for this guy to run for office. So it's a special yeah. Christmas election. Uh, uh, yeah. The Nutcracker thing is a fundraiser. She collapses during the show. I love it. In the middle of the in the middle of the climactic moment when uh, the Nutcracker is about to hold her up in the lift from Dirty Dancing. Uh-huh. That's when she she collapses and they have to take her to the hospital. Yeah. And he and he runs out. It's a fundraiser on the last day on election day, which is pretty late. That I guess he still has bills that he owes. You oh know? yeah. yeah. So, what, what if she's at the big party and he wins, the balloons fall, the confetti, uh, he gets up to make a speech, he goes, I, I have to acknowledge I couldn't be here without Nikki, and he brings her up and she's been thoroughly healthy the entire film, and she gets up behind the microphone and suddenly her face do- turns deathly yeah. white, she says, it hurts and collapses yeah. as all the cameras snap uh-huh. photographs, and he's now, standing there holding uh-huh. her lifeless. Yeah, yeah like a piano. Yeah, yeah. can I... 
can I plus this idea? What if what if instead of just collapsing, her head explodes uh, scanner style? Uh-huh. So she has some sort of she has some sort of disease that leads to exploding heads, and they're looking yeah, for a she cure. Has a scanner's disease. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, she has scanner syndrome, and, so, and scanner syndrome. It's and Cronenberg sarcoma, yeah. and also it's a pandemic. That's the thing. He's running for office during this time that where there's scanner syndrome could hit at any time. Nobody knows, uh-huh. and they think they've beaten it. Uh, but in the end, uh, Nikki proves that they haven't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can expand the scope quite a bit. You got scenes of like riots in foreign countries because there's uh-huh. only so much vaccine for scanner yep. syndrome, uh-huh. and it's like it's like uh, World War Z yep. or something like that. You know, so we can open this up because it's oh, based sure. on a stage play. We got to open it up from the stage play it's based on, which of course was called uh-huh. uh, Scanners Girl Election Day Christmas, and uh-huh. we. Uh, which I, maybe it's a segment <laughs> from Forbidden Broadway. I don't know. Maybe that's it. Uh, so, so Dan the. Uh, All right, we should... No, no. As uh, I was saying, do you have any? Uh, no, no. Casting. Who are you casting in these parts? Okay. Who's the Who's the girl? Who's uh, the Who's the progressive policy wonk? And who is the uh, Who's the opponent? Who's tra- who will do anything to take down the progressive? Even if it even uh, blackmail, theft, and and okay. in an amazing sequence, taking the Super Bowl hostage. So who's the uh, well, if, Who do you play these right. parts? Okay, here here we go. Here we go. We got the Christmas uh, Super Bowl. The Christmas Super Bowl. Yeah, it's it's just, again everything's thrown out of whack because of this special elections. So they're holding the Super Bowl on Christmas as well. Yeah, the, yeah. the politician, of course, has to be Adam Driver. He's very hot right now. Uh-huh. You know, sure. he's good at playing intense. And I think the young girl, uh, to avoid any possible like weirdness, should be uh, Andy Circus doing motion capture. Yes. Okay, so oh, you're not girl. some kind of an Alita Battle Angel type thing where there's a little bit of an uncanny yeah. valley about the girl. I would say if you want to avoid that problem even entirely, you cast Amy Adams as the girl, and she just has pigtails, and it's okay because she's <laughs> an adult playing a little girl. Uh, I mean, that's weird in a different way. Can we get to the ending? And here? who Can plays we... the bad guy? Who plays the bad guy? Yeah, who's the bad guy? Uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd. He's, wow. You know, he's okay. Comic that's villain. Big. Yeah, that's a big, big. Uh, big Nothing role, but trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, let's get to the let's get to the uh, final judgments because I don't know what's going on in Stewart's corner of Brooklyn. It looks like it's much later there than in my my part of Brooklyn. The the sun is going down, so let's. Uh, Stewart's so baffled right now. Um, is this a good bad movie? Bad bad movie? A movie you kind of like? I will start. I said I look this movie. By the end of it, it put me in a bad mood. <laughs> I wow. Was, I was angry at the movie. I got out of it. I don't hold it against Alonso, but I you know, I walked out of it in a sour mood. I thought the people were, were bad. I didn't like it. Uh-huh. It was boring. <laughs> you snapped the DVD that you had ordered from Amazon. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's on Amazon Prime if you want to shake uh, it. Okay. Uh, I'll I'll go next. Uh, yeah, it is a bad bad movie. It's terrible. It's terrible. Uh, it is. It was. I wish. It like there's uh, there's a version of this movie that is a good bad movie, but this one uh-huh. is a little a little dull. But there was part of me that like I don't want to thank Alonzo because there's part of me that was like. I, there is no chance in hell that I would ever have seen this movie. And it was like a little taste of the kind of movie that I imagine like my parents going to go see when I was a kid and then just being so disappointed and coming back and not telling me about it. And it's it, it really took me back to a year when movies like this could come out. And it's like, oh, okay, it's, there, was a, there was a period when they made this stuff. So I appreciated it. Yeah. But not, not as a movie. It was terrible. But I appreciate it as a snapshot of a worse time. Stuart? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, No, this is, a, this is a bad, bad movie. And, um, yeah, it's, it's fun to get to watch, you know, a bad movie from another era. 
uh, and bad in ways that are like, it didn't feel bad in the like boring, modern kind of like overproduced Hollywood way. It felt like a little bit of a little bit of that, but also a little bit of the like, this is somebody's passion project. Even if it wasn't, it felt a little bit like somebody cares a lot about this dumb movie that doesn't make sense. Who is this movie for? Nobody knows. Uh, so yeah, bad, bad. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll close the loop. It is t- totally bad, bad. My my friend Joel Ryan tipped me off to it years ago. And the line that she always quotes from it is one that Dave and I have turned into a running joke in our house, which is after she says the thing about, are you two going to make love? Dudley Moore says, you're an outrageous child, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. I just love throwing that into conversations because it's a it, it's a guaranteed laugh getter, uh, much like this movie in general. Um, but yeah, it is bad in the way of like someone thought this was a good yeah. idea, like somebody really committed to the bit of this thing. It, it certainly doesn't feel like it was created by committee or you know the studio thought oh, we're going to cash in on the on the yeah. I don't know what dying girl. Got to cash in on the got to cash in on the abandoning your family thing. trend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a. <laughs> It, and knowing that the script was around for so long that like people were trying for years to tell this story is it's crazy because you're watching it and you're like it got developed a lot <laughs> it's amazing like you're watching it must have been a big uh, the book must have sold well probably. yeah and I figure I this know. is like oh but what if like love story was about a kid instead of a lover I don't know I yeah. it's, it's weird. yeah they're, they're like it's love story but a lot of people's lives are ruined as collateral. By by the two, by the leads, like it's to to go into the movie and be like, yeah, yeah, we're gonna make this movie. It's about a guy who uh, who becomes friends with a. It's about a grown man who becomes friends with an with a thirteen year old girl. Okay, but uh, why does he do that? Well, he's falling in love with her mother. Oh, that's great. It, he's already married and he has a child. What 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 are you doing? What is going on? <laughs> Okay. I gotta read the book one of these days, just out of curiosity. Yeah. But I haven't brought myself to that yet. What's weird is it's a western. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to Bullseye because Jesse always has really good questions. What did John Malkovich wear when he was 20? (laughs) I don't know how to describe it. There's always that moment where Jesse asks a question that the person he's interviewing has not thought of before. I don't think anyone's ever said that to me or acknowledged that to me, and that is so real. Bullseye, interviews with creators you love and creators you need to know. From MaximumFun.org and NPR. Hi, I'm James, host of Minority Corner, which is a podcast that's all about intersectionality. It's hosted by James with a guest host every week. Discussing all sorts of wonderful issues, nerdy and political. Pop culture. Black, queer, feminism. Race, sexuality. News. You're going to learn your history, their self-empowerment, and it's told by what feels like your best friend. Why should someone listen to Minority Corner? Why not? Oh my God, free stuff. There's not free stuff. The listeners of Minority Corner will enjoy some necessary LOLs, but mainly a look at what's happening in our world through a colorful lens. People will get the perspective of marginalized communities. I feel heard. I feel seen. Like you said, you need to understand how to be more proactive in your community and this is a great way to get started. Join us every Friday on Max Fun or wherever you get your podcast. Minority Corner. Because together, we're the majority. 
The Flophouse is sponsored in part by Squarespace. Now, you all know Squarespace. You've been listening for a while, unless you uh, are listening to the first episode, in which case, welcome. I hope you enjoy the nonsense. But Squarespace <laughs> is a service that allows you to create a beautiful... Now, Dan, when you said, when you said listening to the first episode, Sorry. you meant listening to this episode, to this episode listening to the show for the, the first time. I'm saying this is the first episode that you made. Perhaps, I don't, you know, I don't want to assume. Every yeah. episode might be someone's first episode. Yeah. But they're not. You're not saying if you're listening to the first episode of the show, in which case there were no sponsors, and I wasn't even on the show. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, and it's and also terrible. any and also <laughs> any episode could be somebody's last episode of the show. Mm. Oh wow, you're right, Dan. Real. Just get with the ads. Sorry, <laughs> I'm wasting right. time. Okay, uh, so Squarespace can help you turn your cool idea into a new website. You can blog or publish content. You can sell products and services of all kinds, and much, much more. Squarespace helps you do this by giving you beautiful, customizable templates created by world-class designers. Everything optimized for mobile right out of the box. A new way to buy domains and choose from over 200 extensions and free and secure hosting. So you should head to squarespace.com flop for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code flop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Now, Dan, I had an idea for a website uh, based on today's movie, and I was wondering if Squarespace might be able to help me with it. You know what? what? You I had an inkling I'm... you might have one of those. Yeah, I mean, I'm so, a, little, what... a little troubled. I'm a little concerned, but I'll hear you out. <laughs> So let's say, here's my customer base. Let's say you're a little kid, a precocious adolescent Mm -hmm. kid. You don't have a dad. You want a dad. But even more than that, you want the thrill of poaching that dad from another family. Well, at secondhanddads.com, you would be able to come and look through our extensive catalog of dads who are, let's say, losing steam with their current families and looking for new families to become the dads of. This is not a dirty site. This is not people who are interested in physical relationships with adult people. This is about emotional relationships with children and their single parents. So just log on to secondhanddad.com to know that you're getting someone who has the skills to be a dad and the enthusiasm for a new family that will get them falling in love with your mom over, let's say, a whirlwind Christmas New York weekend. So that's secondhanddads.com. Do you think Squarespace would be able legally or ethically to help me with that? (laughs) I don't know about the second, but uh, I'm sure that they could help you design that website. Um, hey, we got another sponsor. It is called Kitty Poo Club, and you know what? A yes. lot of us are a lot of us are working from home right now. Not all of us, you know. Um, uh, many of us have to still go out uh, for work, and God bless you if you're out there putting yourselves at risk just because you have to make a little money, I feel for you. But if you are working from home, you're probably spending a lot more time with your cat. You're getting to see what they do during the day. It's a lot of sleeping, in my experience, a lot of staring out the window, crying whenever the kitten uh, walks through your backyard, uh, the stray cat in the neighborhood. Uh, But one thing, and you're loving it. You're loving all this extra time with your cat, you know? Your furry friend, you get an extra time FaceTime with your cat. But what you don't love is Case having... closed. Sounds like a great product, Dan. Well, no, Cats. no, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. There's a <laughs> there's a problem this product's going to solve, and that's that you don't love dealing with a litter box. Well, now, every month, Kitty Poo Club can deliver an affordable, high-quality, recyclable litter box that is pre-filled with the litter of your choice. The boxes are leak-proof eco-friendly and have a fun design for every season when the month is up just recycle the box and kitty poo club 
will automatically deliver a new one to you. No changing used litter and no more cleaning the box. And right now, Kitty Poo Club is offering you 20% off your first order when you set up auto ship by going to kittypooclub.com and entering promo code FLOP. Just go to kittypooclub.com and enter promo code FLOP to get 20% off when you set up auto ship. That's kittypooclub.com. And don't forget to enter promo code FLOP at checkout to help support our show. I hope you didn't hear the burp I stifled partway through because I'm a middle-aged man who can no longer control the emissions from his body. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like killed somebody killed. needs... Somebody needs Kitty Poo Club for himself, too, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> Killed them all, burp. Killed them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. Well, that was great. We got two cool sponsors. Mm-hmm. Oh, we also have uh, a couple of Jumbotrons, uh, I believe. Elliot, why don't you uh, take the first one? Sure. Here's the Jumbotron for you. And you know what? I'm going to have a secret surprise. Spoiler. It's a personal endorsement. Every week on Marvel by the Month, Brian Stratton and Rob Mil- Milney, I can't remember how his last name is pronounced. Sorry about that, Rob. Chat with your favorite podcasters and comics professionals like John Hodgman, Matt Fraction, Clint McElroy, Fred Hembeck, Jordan Morris, and Tom Scioli about the best, worst, and weirdest parts of Marvel Comics history, one month at a time. Look for Marvel by the Month at marvelbythemonth.com or wherever you download podcasts. And... I was on an episode of this podcast. It actually was just came out right before we are recording this episode, uh, and I had a great time. It's a really fun podcast where they are reading through Marvel Comics in their heyday, month by month, and talking about the issues, and I think it's a really good show. So go listen to my episode where we talked about the birth of Adam Warlock and MODOK, among other characters. Oh, fun. And then go listen to the other episodes. It was lots of fun. Marvel by the month. Wow, synergy. Cool. Mm-hmm. And I have a Jumbotron. I'm an artist. And throughout the pandemic, I've been working on a project called Pornimon. It's like a mashup of Pokemon and Jurassic Park if the creatures were all designed by a pervert. Me. Now, I'm assuming that's talking about the creator and not me, Stuart Wellington, but who cares? I was going to ask. Mostly... I got to be honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean... It, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's mostly safe for work, despite how it sounds. Also, there are some tainted uh, Pornimon who resemble certain political figures in cathartic ways. So visit Pornimon.com, that's P-O-R-N-E-M-O-N dot C-O-M, for all the stuff. Made with Squarespace. Uh-oh, Synergy. Uh, and there's a couple trailers up on YouTube. Uh, looks like a lot of fun. My Pornimons, let me show you them at Pornimons.com. One of the more unusual Jumbotrons, so perhaps it catches your ear. I believe there's a, a another plug uh, that your household, Stuart. Oh, yeah, the, household, the Wellington household. Oh, but now you can't hear. Oh, that's okay. Oh, all right. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Charlene. How are you? Good. How are you? I liked your last episode. Oh. It had a, it had a very high um, SPM, Charlene's per minute. Oh, of yeah, course. Yeah, there are a lot yeah. of Charlene's, a lot of mentions. So, Charlene, yeah. what would you like to talk to us about today? Um, I have a new podcast, guys. Have you heard about podcasts? Uh. <laughs> Is it? I heard it's like the radio of the future. <laughs> it's, it's of the future. I have a new podcast. It's called I Know the Owner. 
It's me and a guest. Sometimes the guest is Stuart. Sometimes the guest is somebody else in the bar industry. And we talk about bar stuff. And it's fun. (laughs) You can find it. And you can find it on iTunes. Sounds fun. I know the owner. Great. What, what kind of what kind of bar stuff do you talk about? Uh, we talk about how I got into the business, how other people got into the business. Um, we have a section called um, Wow, I forgot what my section's called. <laughs> it's called. Well, it sounds you believe, great. You won't believe the fucking day I had, <laughs> where um, it's supposed to mimic people belling up to the bar and telling me about their day, and then we, you know, talk about it. And uh, we have so far recorded in the bar while it was open, so anything can happen. Um, and what happened is the bar is going to be closed, so that's not going to happen. So after today, we will record in other locations. So, so uh, in this unfortunate uh, time period, if you want the old hinterlands experience, you can't talk to the bartender now. But what you can do, I guess, is uh, on a weekend, get a takeaway drink. You know, pop the podcast in. Maybe you've sent in a complaint about something that happened in your week, and you can have that experience of chatting with a bartender while sipping your drink. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. So thanks for letting me plug it on your show. Sure. Our pleasure. I guess that's the Done. end of the. <laughs> I guess that's the end of the. I segment. think that's the end of that segment. Yeah. All right. And now back to the show. Moving on to our next segment, which is letters from listeners like you, who are listening right now, I assume. Um, Hey, this one's from Alan West. Because, Dan, it's the most letterful time of the show. It's Mm. the part of the show where the letters are read and we answer the letters. Uh It's the Uh most letterful time of the show. If you thought there were other parts of the show that had letters in them, you'd be wrong. It's just this part that has the letters in them. This part of the show right here, because it's the most letterful time of the show. Oh, man, you got to give it to him. I I will give it to him that that is like the most accurate yeah, yeah, yeah. letter song I think we've had in a long time. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. If you're trying to destroy Christmas, Elliot Kalen, you're going about it all yeah. wrong because that just my heart grew three sizes. Oh no! Well, what about what about this? Was, here's letter Q's. There's letter Q's. Q's from the letters will answer Q's. Letter 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 Q's. Letter Q's. Letter letter Q's. Letter 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 letters. Letter 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 letters. What about this? Uh, wait. Are there other Christmas songs? I can't think of any. No, not not a one. Okay, that's too bad. Oh, Dan's looking for a way to turn off his computer. I guess he's done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, okay. So here we go with the first. Here letter come from... letter cues. There go letter cues. Oh, Hope you sent us some cues. <laughs> Q stands for questions. I guess I should have been clear about that at the start. Letters sometimes have questions in them, and we're gonna answer those letters. In this part of the show right now, how does the rest of the song go? I don't know. Anyway, that's the end of that song. Or is it? It seems to be going still. I don't understand. I've lost control of it. I'm as annoyed as you. (laughs) Believe me, I wish I could stop it. At this point, it's kind of like a medical problem. I'll talk to my doctor after the show because I can't get this song to end. Dan, you've got to interrupt me. I'm sorry. You've got to slay this this beast. Now your war on Christmas feels real. Um, 
<laughs> this one's from Alan, last name withheld, who writes, inspired by the Flophouse and because of our desire to not make life worse for healthcare workers, thank you, we have uh-huh. decided we've enough time to celebrate Cagemas this year by watching a different Nicolas Cage movie every day in December. What are some much must-ads to our list? Um, uh, this brings up a good point. I want to just uh, uh, say quickly that our Cagemas episode will release in early January. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, like Cagemas so is a movable feast. It's a movable uh, feast, guys. You, you don't know. It's in our hearts. Yeah, it's not necessarily going to come before Christmas or even slightly after Christmas, maybe in the next Look, month. But guys, Cagemas, Cagemas is a made-up holiday like Christmas. We can put it wherever we want to. So... <laughs> That was the most. That was the most high, uh, uh, inflammatory thing I think I've ever said. Yeah, and I apologize immediately. Uh, okay, what do we got? Uh, great so Nicholas Cage movies. Cage. Look, you got to do. I, if you haven't seen Port- Bad Lieutenant, Protocol, New Orleans, throw it on there. Oh yeah, it rules. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm I'm trying to look through like what's like a more. A more? You mean love? Little, I mean, you get like One obviously that, Moonstruck. You got to put Moonstruck on there. I mean, he's yeah, great. you got to put Moonstruck on there. Got to put Raising Arizona on there. Yeah. Maybe uh, you uh, might Vampires Kiss. Vampires, yeah, vampires Kiss. I don't know. I'm, really... I'm not a huge <laughs> Vampires Kiss fan, but you know, whatever. Really? Nope. Really? I mean, just for the scene think... where he goes through the alphabet, it's I worth guess. watching. I mean, it's not uh, good. Yeah. Um. Wild, you know, I, Colorado I, Space. Wild recently. at Heart. Yeah, give me some Wild at Heart. Yeah, or like Red Rock West. Yeah, sure. Or like, uh, uh, I got a are we real... counting into the Spider Verse. Oh yeah, yeah he's great into the, the Spider Verse. Why not? Uh, I've uh, got a real fondness for the National Treasure movies. They're dumb, but they're a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Con, uh, speaking con, of dumb, but Con Air, what? Con Air, yeah. yeah. What a, a movie that is is so gifable. It's wonderful. I mean, just the beginning of face slash off before the faces get switched, because Nicolas Cage doesn't get that much to do once the faces yeah. get switched. Just, yeah. <laughs> just the opening tracking shot from Snake Eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you're going to celebrate Cagemas in December, I'm not a giant fan of it, but Family Man is his technically one big Christmas mm, movie. Oh, okay. If you want to be seasonal about it, you can you can you can do Cagemas earlier than these guys. I yeah. uh, you can do- uh, some of his recent output. I enjoyed his performance in uh, what is that, Mom and Dad, where he yeah. demolishes mm. a pool table even before he goes crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and on the little scene uh, side of things, we watched The Trust for the show, and I think we all enjoyed it uh, yeah. a lot more than we suspected we the, might. The Trust is not a particularly good movie, but him and Elijah Wood in that, they're, yeah. they're, they're, the way they relate to each other in it is so much fun to watch, and I would I wish yeah. that they would make something else together. Uh, there's uh, He did finally get to play Superman in Teen Titans Go to the Movies, which I'm a okay. fan okay. of. Okay. Uh, people so, don't really yeah, talk about adaptation Nicholas that much Cage's anymore. Dying wish to be Superman. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Dudley so Moore the burst into <laughs> DC offices and demanded to see who was in charge of. And you know what? Why not go? Superman. Why not go watch it? Could happen to you. Why not? Goes down easy. Oh yeah, that yeah that's a fun one. That's a fun, nice one. You know. And probably, uh, uh, and of course, uh, Arsenal, right? Shut up. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Valley Girl. Yeah, Valley Girl. Car Yeah, Valley Girl. Uh Carly from uh I will say uh, I will for... say do not see do not see Dog Eat Dog. Avoid that one. 
If you're you're gonna yeah. avoid plenty of them, but avoid that one particularly. And uh, you should probably fit in uh, his performance as Fu Manchu in Grindhouse in that in uh, yeah, in the no, ad for Werewolf Women of the SS. Don't do that. Uh, Carly, last name withheld, writes. My brother has worked for all of his adult life in the hospitality industry in Las Vegas. We were watching Home Alone 2 with his eight-year-old daughter, and she said of the Tim Curry character, he's the bad guy, right? After a long pause, JT said, well, he's just trying to do his job. And I could feel the two decades of hard work and shitty guests in his tone. My question is, have you ever watched a movie in which a character inspired a strange sense of pathos in you because of your own experience? Love you so much. Cheers, Carly. Last name withheld. I I love that anecdote. (laughs) You know, he's just a guy trying to make his way in the world. Like he's Kevin's kind of a shitty kid. I don't know. He's been put in an untenable position where he is he is he is trying to keep a child on his own in New York from. I guess be you know stealing from a hotel. Best case scenario, worst case scenario, being murdered in the middle of the night. Yeah. By you know his kid shouldn't be on his like that. He's the hero of the movie in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel the same way about Tim uh, Curry in The Shadow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in some ways, I guess the Wet Bandits are the heroes of the Home Alone movies because all property ownership is theft at a certain point, yeah, that's and a good so point. they're just wow, trying to really fix the iniquities in the system. Uh, yeah, comrades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. <sighs> So yeah, I'm I, I don't know. Go, you go. I Ali, think all I... film critics, all film critics, have empathy for the uh, Bob Balaban character in The Lady in the Water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what's your problem, M Night Shyamalan? We're just out here trying to make a living. I think anytime there's a character in a movie who is the like exists in the movie only to be the butt of a joke. This is not necessarily based on life experiences, except that I, people I've been made fun of many times in my life. But like when a character <laughs> exists only so the other characters can score jokes off of them, that always bothers me. I'm always like, don't don't create this character and bring them to life just to it's one it's okay to create a dumb character and have it be funny for the audience. But when it's like your heroes are like ripping on somebody yeah. and the, and you know it's like you created this character just for this purpose. Like come on, don't uh-huh. do that. Yeah, it's it's one of the reasons why there's never a character in a movie named Stuart that isn't like, I mean, they, they, it feels like the character's only named Stuart because they couldn't get away with naming them like Nerd Bert or something like. Yeah, I have a friend named Gary. He's very angry about how he's been handled in yeah. the movie. <laughs> I will say that I yeah. have a special antipathy for uh, movies about slackers. Like or uh-huh. the slacker uh, character, we've we've noticed, Ellie. We've talked about that. Anytime <laughs> there's a character in a movie who's like a slacker, and it's like, why can't I just stumble into my dreams? I'm like, who's? I don't care about this person. Not interested. Your your hero is the uh, the uh, principal in Back to the Future, who hates slackers as much as you. I mean, that's uh-huh. not my hero uh, <laughs> yeah, necessarily. So, like Ogre in the Revenge of the Nerd series is my hero because we both hate nerds <laughs> <laughs> and sleeves. We hate sleeves too. I th- and uh, any any time someone in a movie is like like in the story, anytime someone's trying to do their job and it involves customer service of some kind, and the hero is being uh, the protagonist is being like un uh, just like difficult or unreasonable, mm-hmm. and we're supposed to get mad at the at the customer service person for not bending to their will. I'm always like, hey, do things the right way. Come on, 
this it remind it reminds me yeah. of working at Barnes Noble and having people come in and demand books that didn't exist and then get mad at me when I and demand to see the manager when I could not you couldn't write them fast enough. Them. Yeah, yeah. But they'd come uh, in and they'd be like, "Where's that red book I saw? Where's that? Oh, someone came in and said, "Where's the book with the blue cover that I saw a month ago?" And I was like, "I don't know. Who was it by? I don't know. What was the title? I don't know. What was it about? I don't know." And I said to the person, "Why do you want to read this book?" Yeah, yeah. And and they got mad at me. <laughs> Really gorgeous shade of yeah. blue. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, let's move on. Why don't we? To the final segment, which uh-huh. is recommendations of movies you might actually want to watch rather than this. And trust me, you do not want to watch this. I, uh, I'm i going to go first, and I will give you... I'm not recommending How, this oh, movie. Oh, that's very, that's very generous of you, Dan. I'm not recommending this movie <laughs> as a traditional good movie. By by any means, although there are elements of it that surprisingly work, but I'm recommending Dan, the Dan, movie. Dan, you better you better not be about to tell me that you watched Hillbilly Elegy on your own and we can't do it for the podcast. Yep. No, 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 no. No, I <laughs> uh, close though. I'm recommending 2002's The Country Bears because oh boy, <laughs> I watched this movie and like you know like it is the movie. Bad movie that has made me laugh the most since seeing Cats. Yeah. Like, I almost laughed as much at some of this <laughs> as I did. And the funny thing about this movie is, like, okay, it is a weird idea, objectively, to be like, oh, we're going to make a movie that is about the <laughs> the Disneyland attraction, the Country Bears, which is just a bunch of bears singing country songs, a bunch of animatronic <laughs> bears, not real bears. Let's clarify before Elliot jumps yeah. in. Animatronic bears singing. No, no I was just like, before you di- before you disappoint a generation of listeners who are gonna and, who can't wait to get to Disneyland again so that they can see real bears singing country songs. Yeah. And this is during the period. They're bring the artificial uh, reindeer sausage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They'll be like, oh, this these bears ba- are gonna reindeer, love this reindeer pizza sausage. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is during the period when Disney had a real fever for making movies of. It's uh, attractions, which only struck gold with Pirates of the Caribbean. And I guess they're they're making Jungle Cruise, so it's not like this period is over. But they made this it, is one Dan. Of the more misbegotten uh, ones. And the the funny thing to me about this movie is, this movie is about a group of bear musicians who are famous bear musicians who broke up, and a young bear wants to get them back together. It's basically the plot of the the new Muppets. Uh, and and no one in the movie particularly makes any sort of deal about these bears being bears. Uh-huh. Like this, the fact that there are bears is basically immaterial to the story. Yeah. And yet they are bears. Yeah. This movie posits a world uh-huh. in which like ninety percent of people are not bears, but ten percent are bears. Uh-huh. And everyone just you know does bear stuff or not? But they don't do bear stuff. They just like they're at a buffet. They're like. <laughs> singing songs and the thing is the songs are actually like there's a lot of talent behind this movie uh-huh. this the songwriter is like a, a famous songwriter I, I can't remember like he john hyatt uh wrote the, a lot of the songs brian setzer wrote some of them uh bella fleck was involved elton john bonnie Raitt and don henley are some of the singing voices and wow. in this movie you've got Christopher Walken, Haley Joel, Joel Osment is the tiny bear. MC Ganey is the human member of the bear band. Amazing. You got Toby Huss in it. Yep. 
Brad Garrett, Stephen Root, or some of the Bears. Like, there's a lot of talent put behind this movie, but the fatal flaw is this is a movie about the country bears. Yep. None of this talent can overcome the fact. So it's one of those cat situations where you're like, wow, they are really trying to make this work and putting all their energy into like a totally misbegotten idea. Uh-huh. And somehow that makes it all the more exciting to watch. So I had a lot do of bears fun. in this world do anything besides sing. Like, do they have like a bear agent or well, you know, <laughs> there's like a bear, bear there's a anything? bear janitor just cleaning up after them in one scene. There is the, there's the kid bear who wants to get the country bears back together, who is who has no job because it is a, a kid bear who has been adopted by Stephen Tobolowsky's family. Okay. And uh, the other son, in the one like joke referring to the fact that there are bears in this universe, the other son is like like uh, mind boggled that this child doesn't realize that he is adopted because he is a bear. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which is not a bad joke. And then the rest of the movie doesn't really make hay about it at all i it's a strange movie i can't quite get across like how it bent my mind i like Uh, the idea the the idea that the people making the movie were not were like no one's going to be interested in how a bunch of bears started and became a band we got to pick up after the after the band's broken up nobody's interested in the origin of a country bear band isn't there isn't there like a montage of christopher walken gleefully destroying uh scale models of country bears uh like music halls or something (laughs) he's i mean like you (laughs) he is committing christopher walken he is not he's not phoning this part in Uh He is very angry about these country bears for reasons that become clear late in the movie. They have Don't a history, spoil it, as, Dan. Don't as spoil all, it. Like good nemeses do with their heroes, uh-huh. and uh, but uh, it is it is a wacky movie. Now, Dan, you said MC Ganey was the human member of the band. Why do they have a human member in the band? I don't know. He's a drummer. He, is it, he, he is it possible? Yeah, that's a good point. Is it possible he was supposed to be a bear and they just ran out of bear costumes? <laughs> or, or that he like walked onto set and they were like, oh, yeah, that's a bear. And you're like, uh, OK. <laughs> well, the other thing this, the other thing this movie has in, you know, in common with cats is obviously that the main characters are these anthropomorphic animals and... It is not as disquieting as the CGI, like, cat fur put over normal people, but it is sort of, it is a weird look because these are people in bear suits, it seems, with animatronic bear heads, and they fall square in the middle of the Uncanny Valley, so it's an unusual experience. Well, it's on Disney+, Plus. you can watch it after The Mandalorian. The, the, di- talking just now reminded me that Cats is on HBO Max, so I'm. I think I, this may be ah, the yes. night when I force my wife to watch it. Oh man! <laughs> my, I, report, my wife, report my, back. My my wife and I talk about watching Cats the same way that some couples talk about like having a threesome. Where uh, she, sure. I don't think she, where she's like not that into it, but she she'll do it for me, you know. So she's like, yeah, I guess I'd watch Cats with you, and I'm like, maybe tonight's the night. <laughs> <laughs> She wants to be GGG. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so I'm going to recommend a movie. The year, 1990. The city, Detroit, Michigan. The movie, Martial Law. That's right. It's a martial arts movie set in Michigan. Uh, We have, uh, it's about a pair of police officers, one played by... Uh, the son of uh, what's his name? <laughs> Give me a second. I fucked that up. It's okay. Don't no. Don't don't erase it. Don't erase what I just said. I'm fixing it. Okay. I'm almost there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's <laughs> okay. played by uh, the the lead is played by Chad McQueen, who is the son of screen legend Steve McQueen. 
and his partner. So Steve McQueen is the name you couldn't remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I thought that was pretty clear. Um, and his uh, <laughs> and his partner is played by the always wonderful Cynthia Rothrock. She's amazing. Um, and it's a movie filled with karate mullets. Uh, it opens with a hostage scene where our hero dresses up like a pizza delivery guy and then beats the shit out of a bunch of criminals. And the action is shot well in that every time uh, somebody gets hit, there's always some kind of a reaction shot. So like when uh, when our hero, martial law, blasts somebody in the jewels, the guy, it cuts to a shot of the guy being like, ah, oh, my nuts. It's great. Uh, and of course, the villain in a world of hockey mullets, uh, the villain is the only unmulleted karate fellow. That's right. David Carradine is in this movie, and he in every scene he's got a really cool stick, and he practices the technique of dim mock, where he punches people in the chest and they die from it. It's great. Martial law is the movie. Stewart is me. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad we're both. We're all bringing out the real big guns on the day we have Alonzo here. So, someone who knows film better than any of us. Uh, I mean, country, uh, country bears and martial law. Where's Elliot gonna go? How much deeper well, can we go? I feel like I need. To, I feel like I need to rework my recommendation. I was uh, seeing as this movie today involved a child and uh, and uh, trauma. I decided to go with a movie that I watched just recently that I had only learned of recently. This movie called Ladybug, Ladybug from 1963, mm-hmm. and it's a movie about uh, a group of school children. There's an elementary school that gets an alert that a nuclear bomb is going to be dropped in the area, that the war has started. And they so they go through what they're supposed to go through, which is that the teachers take all the kids home. And it's kind of about how the adults are at a total loss to really know what to do in the situation. They don't know if it's even a really a real alert a lot or not, and how the kids are left to fend for themselves, more or less. And it's not like a Lord of the Flies type thing. It's more of a the children trying to mirror and make sense of the emotions that the adults are feeling and taking on those roles. And by doing so, kind of showing how ridiculous they all are. And seeing it really brought home to me some things that I kind of didn't want to admit to myself about children during the pandemic right now, and specifically about me and my kids and how I need to pay more attention to kind of how they're reacting to this whole situation through my reaction to it. Uh, there's one scene in particular where this girl runs home and her dad is like a farmer and he's shoveling some stuff. I don't know what he's doing. And she's like, the bombs, the war started, the bombs are dropping. And he's like, what? And she's like, the war, they're gonna, they're dropping the bombs. And he's like, I'm busy. I've got work to do. Go talk to your mother. And I was like, Ooh, well that hits home. I've had that conversation with my son a bunch of times in the past year where it's like, he's like worried about something. And I'm like, I've got work to do. Like, we'll deal with it later. So uh, it really struck home for me, not in the way that the filmmakers intended, because the movie is almost 60 years old. Yeah. But it's called Ladybug, Ladybug, and it's I think it just got re- got released or released on DVD, but I found the whole thing on YouTube, so that's where I watched it. But uh, it was really good, and it's got uh, some very early performances on film from William Daniels and Nancy Marchand and Estelle Parsons. So there's a bunch of really good oh, wow. actors in it, but the, it's mostly about the kids. So that's what I'd recommend. Alonzo, what have you got? Is it going to be my bleak end or their fun end of the spectrum? Oh, well, you know, I'll tell you, I, I, this is because when you write a, 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 
book about Christmas movies, you get asked to do a lot of podcasts in December, and I love that. Um, but I, I figure anybody who wants to hear me recommend Happiest Season has heard me do it about 10 uh -huh. times. So I'm going to go firmly in the Elliott camp and bum everybody out yeah. with an amazing Romanian documentary about healthcare. Oh, wow. <laughs> called, <laughs> it's called Collective, and it is basically about how... Um, there, there was this. Uh, there, there, it, it begins with like a, a fire in a in a in a nightclub where all these people oh, died because there right. weren't enough exits, and it sort of exposed this like government corruption. So this other government gets to come in for a year and take over, and they're trying to work out the healthcare stuff because like a bunch of people who should have survived that incident didn't, and it just the onion unravels, and it's just more and more levels of corruption and of chicanery and awful stuff. And just when they get really close to nailing the people responsible, the people responsible figure out how to use the media to change the subject entirely. Oh, wow. So it feels very much about America in 2020. This is a film that's made uh, in a very kind of Frederick Wiseman documentary style in terms of like there's no interviews. You don't get a lot of on-screen things identifying who the people are necessarily. Uh, but at the same time, it is edited like a thriller. It is it, it, it's intense and breathless and uh, very you will be very upset by the end of this movie. But in the in a way that ideally you'll maybe want to change everything so yeah collective i really i love this movie it it infuriated me but it also was and very that, that came out earlier this year right uh it opened earlier this month oh, it shit, is okay. it, it, in theaters in a few places where theaters are open but it's also streaming it is romania's pick for the yeah. oscars so it might be mm. a, a an international film nominee but i don't know how docs do in yeah. that category so I've seen, yeah i've seen it on a couple of like best of the year lists so great stuff i gotta see that i wasn't aware of it well, Alonso, I want to say thank you uh, sincerely for appearing on our show and for inflicting. Here it comes. Us, uh, He's going to give you the business. On us. No, no. I mean, apologies like, look, this for the is, six weeks part. <laughs> this is this is a good kind of pain. I uh, I didn't I didn't like it while watching it, but it was a lot of fun to talk about with you guys. Oh, so it's the kind of movie that reminds you how good good movies are. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is a bad movie. Well, and, like, and yeah. we were getting text messages from Dan while he was watching, and he was like, oh, if only it were as good as Country Bears the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Where are the jamborees in this film? <laughs> Where are out there, Country, bar country so, Bears? Have thou forsaken me? <laughs> yeah. So few jamborees. Uh, but uh, let's... <laughs> Let's uh, say goodbye for another no, no, episode. Wait, uh, wait, before we do that, now I'm imagining what? Dan that you're now imagining Dan you're a film critic and you have yeah. your criteria. You rate every movie on, and one of them is jamborees? Question yeah. mark. Yeah, and you're Dan, like, you don't once wanna, again. Dan doesn't want to no leave this bit as Dan the like the like exhausted dilettante movie fan. <laughs> Why is everyone wearing pants? Why can't it be like the country bears? <laughs> a vest is all they need. <laughs> Uh, yep. I went. Zero I went into on the actors. No stars. <laughs> I went into Paddington Two. I don't two. see one banjo. <laughs> I went into Paddington Two, hoping for the best. The lead is a bear. Check. He does not wear pants. Check. Does he have a jamboree? Alas, still no jamborees in Paddington's world. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm giving uh, this movie you know, one out of six banjo strings. <laughs> uh, as. A <laughs> As I pine for a jamboree, I uh, think it's time to sign off. 
Thank you to Maximum Fun uh, for having us on the network. Go to MaximumFun.org for a lot of other great shows, some of them about movies, some of them have Alonzo in them. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, Alonzo, do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, golly. Uh, yeah, if people want to follow me on Twitter, it's uh, A Duralde, A-D-U-R-A-L-D-E. Uh, come for the Christmas news, stay for the socialism. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I do a crazy amount of uh, podcasts and uh, if you would listen to them that would make my day um thank you to jordan cowling for editing and producing this show uh please rate review and subscribe as they say uh but for the flop house i have been dan mccoy i'm Stuart wellington i'm elliot kalen and our special guest has been alonzo duraldi yeah. See you later, guys. Bye. I don't know what that voice was. No, I love it. <laughs> it's this is how I feel to, about Alonzo was... right now. This is how I feel about him for making us watch that. <laughs> yeah. It was a very it was very hard to jerk to. That's what I mean by it being a tearjerker. I was crying because I was like, okay. I can't masturbate to this. Uh-huh. Well, uh, I feel like you're not uh, creative enough, my man. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.